good evening, everybody. Hope you're doing well. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. And how's your evening going? How is your life in lockdown going? How is your lock, Lockholm syndrome going? Hopefully, philosophy is helping you a little bit. And this show helped you to prepare just a little bit. And, well, I know we got a two-hour hard limit. We're going through a particular app at the moment. So we'll get to the listener in a sec, but boy, oh boy. The Secret Sex Life life of Women and the Writer Who Exposed It. There's this woman, her name is Lisa Tadeo, or Tadeo. And she wrote a book in 2019 called Three Women. It interrogated female desire. Female desire. And yeah, she's a mess, right? She's, she's a mess, this woman, right? Um, she says, My entire 20s were just swallowed whole by black death grief. She was raised pretty much an only child. She's got a 14-year-old older brother. And she said uh, it was easier to just suffer alone. Quote, stay in hotels, order room service, just sit, take an Ambien, pass out. Though she liked friends to be close by, since as a serious hypochondriac, she constantly fears dying. Eventually, with the proceeds from her parents' house, her parents died young. She moved to Manhattan, where, quote, I was just so massively, wildly depressed, I would walk the whole city up and down every block for hours. It was a very dark, dark, painful time. Dating was hopeless since she craved someone, quote, who had great parents and just brought me into this family construct. I had lost to replace everything. Not a fun proposition for guys her age. Older men sniffed out and exploited her neediness and lack of a father. I got really angry. I would wonder why complete assholes were walking around. Me and my dad, who legitimately, and my dad, who was legitimately a good guy, was dead. Why did my life have to get effed up in this way? So she mooted a book exploring the secret desires of women. She planned to include many stories. But then it coalesced into a deeper project where she'd embed herself in a few women's lives, share their thoughts, diaries, enter their communities, walk in their shoes. For eight years, she drove back and forth across America looking for suitable candidates. Sometimes a woman who'd opened her heart would abruptly drop out, wasting months of work. How did she keep going? Eventually, she narrowed it down to three women who were willing to tell me the truth without worrying about ego. In other words, without boundaries, without uh, any sense of pride or privacy or anything like that. So anyway, I've not read this book. Apparently, it was all the talk among women uh, two years ago, last year. But here we go. What kind of women... Do you think this uh, nut job ended up telling the stories off? I mean, what kind of women are going to want to talk to kind of a stranger about their most intimate, personal, sexual lives? Well, uh, unstable women. So what have we got here? These three women. There's Maggie, who'd had a teenage relationship with a teacher. Lena, married to a man who won't even kiss her, now in a sizzling affair with an old boyfriend. And Sloane, a beautiful restaurateur whose husband wants to watch her having sex with other people. Oh, my gosh. What are you... What are you supposed to do? So, anyway, the three three women hung in there. Tedeo's book became an extraordinary piece of writing. For instance, when Lena met her lover for sex in a forest clearing, 
Tereo followed so she could accurately describe the view, the type of trees. So in other words, Elena, this is the woman who's, is this the woman whose husband won't kiss her? Let's see here. I can't remember which one of these messes. Married to a man who won't kiss her now and assisting the affair with an old boyfriend. So she opened up to this writer, this Tadeo, and basically said, yeah, I'm going to go and meet my old boyfriend in the woods for sex. So here's where we're going to be. Here's when we're going to be. Be sure you follow us and watch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, yeah, just uh, horrifying stuff. This is the this is the kind of people, this is the kind of art, this is the kind of writing, this is the kind of, quote, literature that infests our society at the moment. Uh, just, just horrifying. So, anyway, I just wanted to sort of point that out, that... Uh, Ladies, please try and stay away from this kind of stuff. Gentlemen, it may not be a bad idea to ask a potential girlfriend if she's read this book and what she thinks. Yeah, yeah, that's totally normal. It's totally normal to have an affair and invite a writer to come to the woods and watch you have sex. My God, where are we as a culture? Well, it's Titanic with half an inch above the waterline and about to snap in two. Just wanted to mention that kind of stuff is just floating around the culture, like mosquitoes, around the corpse of what used to be. All right, so to get to the corner this evening, uh, let's just see here. Jimmy James O. Von Bobby Head, are you with me, brother? All right, so tonight our caller writes, My name is Lewis. I'm 24 years old, and for my whole adult life, I've had cycles of anxiety which have manifested in relationship anxiety work anxiety, insomnia, and various phantom or fake health issues for which there is no physical evidence. Most of the time, the anxiety is mild and manageable, and I'm generally a happy, positive, happy, positive person who enjoys his life. I have a wonderful girlfriend whom I've been seeing for three months, and we have long-term plans for marriage and having a family. My work pays pretty well and has decent future prospects, and overall, I'm happy with my life. However, every so often, I'll have a wave of major anxiety, which will make everyday life very difficult. And all I'll really be able to manage is the basics of going to work, exercising, etc. This will then go away again for months or even years, and I'll feel fine before returning in another form for weeks or months, then once again going away. I'm going through one of these waves right now. In the past, I've always considered calling in, but haven't maybe because I'm scared on some level of what the conversation could uncover. Instead, I just tried to manage the symptoms until they went away. However, I've realized now this is holding my life back. Whenever I think of the big plans for my life, like having kids, owning a business, or getting a higher paying job, I know in the back of my mind that another wave of anxiety could come sooner or later and ruin my plans. I also don't think it's fair to my girlfriend or future kids to not deal with this issue, for obvious reasons. And the best way I can think of dealing with it is to call into free domain with an open mind. As I've listened to many call-in shows, I don't know of anyone who has been more successful in helping people get to the root causes of their issues. Thank you, Steph, for all the good work that you do. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate those, those words. Is there anything that you want? I'm sure there is like stuff that you wanted to add to what you wrote. 
Um, yeah, it's it's basically yeah, it basically just seems like um like it, it, this this issue sort of is holding my my life back in a way because um you know like there's lots of there's lots of things that I want to do um you know like certifications that I want to get you know more studying and and that sort of thing um you know um but it's just difficult when um you know when I when I I'll have sort of one of these waves of uh, of anxiety and it, and it's kind of you know interferes with um kind of interferes with everything you know like it makes it hard to you know to to plan stuff out and 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 do stuff and commit to stuff um like that so um yeah like i mean in the last the last one it was it was you know quite i had quite bad insomnia and so you know that just kind of made everything pretty uh pretty difficult Right, right. I'm just going to ask one tiny favor. We all have our verbal tics. Do you know what your one is? The phrase that you overuse the most? Uh, what's that? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. I'm just oh, going to ask sorry. you to tamp back on that just a little bit, and I will work on my and er so. and right, right. So those are my verbal tics. So. Yep. Now, you said that, yeah, so yeah. it doesn't, like the anxiety, you said, is sometimes just not really there, other than maybe like a low-grade end-of-civilization anxiety that I guess most of us are carrying. But you're saying that the, the sort of the, the deep pit it bypasses you for years. Is that right? Sometimes, um, yeah. So like months or, or years, it can it can I can pretty much be uh, be fine. I can you know feel like I can kind of do anything, and you know I can you know. No, no, you got to watch those, you know, I need you to focus, man. I need you to focus on those, you know, I had like three or four right after I asked you to not. So I'm sorry. I hate to, I hate to do it, but, but I just got to remind you because I can't edit all of those out and it will drive the audience completely mad as it drives me a little baddie too. So, because with the reason that you throwing in the verbal tics, I mean, obviously you're nervous. This is not your job. It's mine. So I I get all of that, but yeah, yeah. yeah, just try and try and focus back on them and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, so it, it does, yeah, go away for, for months or years and I can do pretty much anything and then for seemingly no reason, uh, it'll just come back and, you know, kind of interferes with everything. Right, well, it's the seemingly no reason, right? So do you remember the longest seemingly. time that it was away, the anxiety? Um... It's has been quite a while since the last time, so it's been about um, about a good good year or so. Okay, and I mean, obviously, you've thought about this, and you you haven't noticed any particular patterns as to when it comes or goes. Not really. Uh, no, not not really. I haven't noticed any particular pattern. It just seemingly seemingly random. Everything can be going perfectly fine. And that's what makes it quite annoying and quite frustrating is that it seems like, you know, everything will be going great and I have, you know, lots of, you know, future plans and everything. And then I'll just get hit with it and it kind of, you know, puts everything on hold kind of. And how are you feeling at the moment? You sound quite distant from the conversation emotionally. Are you feeling really wound up and tense or, or how is how is it going for you? Well, I'm just a bit uh, a bit nervous at the moment because I I haven't called into anything like this before. Yeah, but you've listened to a bunch of these, right? So, like you know how this rolls, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about the fear that you have of yep. this conversation, because if you're this guarded and distant, it's going to be really tough to have a conversation about depth, and you're going to end up feeling cheated and frustrated yeah. that it didn't go the way that okay. you wanted it okay. to go. And again, it's not a criticism at all. Yeah. I'm just sort of pointing it out, something that we need, you know, sure. got to open yeah. the garage door before we back yeah, out, yeah. right? Yeah. So okay. what's your worst case scenario for this conversation? Like what is just going to be, oh man, was that ever a mistake to call in? What, 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 what does that look like for you? Okay, um, let me let me think. Because usually it's not not succeeding at all, or it's succeeding way too well. Where it's like, oh, I have the answer to my anxiety, but the answer is going to cause even more anxiety and be even more of a problem. Yeah, well, in terms of the anxiety, I guess the it, it sort of started when I was about seventeen, and the. The, the root cause of it uh, pretty much has been a um, it's been a fear of like um, of okay dude we, you we are killing was, me with this conversational style of well you know but yeah, it's sorry. you know and I'm really again I hate to nag you but if we're gonna have this convo you got to lean into it man you got to just grab that mic with both head both hands okay. and just lean into it because if you're this distant from yeah okay, okay. you know it'll, it we, we simply can't have okay, the combo okay. right because it's just okay, it, okay, it, you, okay. you've committed to not having the combo okay. so just understand okay, there's okay, a part okay. of you that i mean the part of you that doesn't want to have the convo is kind of strangling you in the conversation if that makes sense so uh just just be aware of that and and put that yeah, to one yeah, side yeah. and just dive in okay okay so when i was growing up uh we had a lot of sort of financial instability um and 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 sort of like we, we had a lot of up and down financial instability and when i started working when i was 17 um i did have a lot of anxiety that uh if if my anxiety itself prevented me from from being able to work um i you know could end up uh homeless or, or something like that like it was the, just the fear of and that, that was just a fear of that that sort of that sort of okay sorry to interrupt but that happened. seems a bit circular you said yeah. your anxiety came when you were 17 because of financial instability but then you said yes. that when you were 17 and started working it was the fear that your anxiety would undo your work progress so I'm yeah, yeah. Just, I'm, I'm just... that the anxiety yeah. go ahead yeah so it was the fear that the anxiety would stop me from being able to to, to function sort of and stop me. No, no, that's circular though. Sorry, sorry then, to interrupt. That's circular, which, which yeah, means okay. there's something I'm just missing here in this, right? Because if you say, well, my anxiety started because I was anxious about something, that's like a total, yep. tautological, right? Because if you say, well, right. I'm worried okay. about not succeeding at my job, okay, but that's then you're worried about not succeeding at your job. But if you're worried that your anxiety yes. is going to cause you to stop succeeding at your job and your anxiety is that your anxiety might start cause you to stop then it's it's self-referential if that makes sense and well, so yeah, the does, anxiety had to be, to be about something yeah. else and then you were afraid that that something else was going to cause enough anxiety to cause you to fail at your job if that makes sense well yeah but that's the only like that's the only thing that like, the anxiety is like the only thing that um that that would stop me from being able to to work and, and support myself right so, okay, but you had to have. So, it was your anxiety that you were just going to fail at your job? Yeah. 
Okay, so that's different from the anxiety being that your anxiety will okay. cause you to fail at the job. Okay, okay. Okay, I just right. needed to, that's yeah. sort of inception anxiety, if that sort of Mobius strip self-referential yeah, yeah, yeah. snake eating its own tail anxiety. Okay, so you were anxious, okay. and, and how long in your family had you had financial instability before? Well, it had been pretty much on and off for my my whole life. So my dad made good money, but he they weren't good at managing the money. And so there'd be periods of, you know, having plenty of money, then there'd be periods of not having any money and it being quite quite stressful and having a lot of, you know, debt and um and all that sort of thing. And so that was kind of quite stressful. Although, you know, my parents they always sort of managed to sort of just sort of pull through. It was quite um it was quite stressful. And so then when I, you know. So do you have a I, thesis? I'm just going to start interrupting you every time you say, you know, now. Yeah, I'm sure. afraid I'm just going to have to trade you yeah, out of it. Okay. So do you have a okay. thesis as to why your parents were in and out of the money? Like that's an old song. Oh, I'm going to love you like nobody's love you. <laughs> come rain or come shine. And there's a line in the song where they yeah. say, uh, days may be cloudy or sunny. We're in or we're out of the money. Just like the tide comes in, tide goes out, and money comes and goes. Do you have any theories as to why your parents were so bad with money? Because, you know, money's coming in, you should save some, right? You should invest some. You should hang on to it so yeah. that, you know, you don't end up with yeah. the feast or famine so, thing. Yeah, so he, he made good money, and basically it wasn't like a regular paycheck, like every, you know, you get paid every fortnight or every month. It was more that, he would have like contracts and he would get paid maybe a huge chunk of money uh, and then not get anything for six months, kind of like that. So he would have a lot of money, but he, he wouldn't just save it. No, no, I get that. I get that. So, but that doesn't yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. have anything yeah. to do as to why you'd be out of money, because if he knows it's feast or famine, right? Then then he's going to yes. put money aside yes. and and spend wisely and save and hang on to his money and all yes. that, right? So it, it it has to be something else that would cause them to be so bad with hanging on to cash. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Do you, do you do you want to know what it was? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so a lot of people are very anxious around success. This is one of the reasons why so few people succeed. Is people start to do well, they start to make money, and they get anxious about doing well. In other words, if they break through the ceiling of their own parents' success, if they do a lot better than their parents, their, extent, their family, their extended family, the kids they grew up with, the whoever, right, the social circle they started in, then what happens is they start to get this high-altitude sickness, right? I mean, basically, we are our own oxygen. Like, if we start to do well, we start to become successful. Yes. Then we should be able to carry our own oxygen up the mountain, so to speak. It'd be fine. But for a lot of people, right. they get this high-altitude high sickness. They get, oh, man, I can't, I can't breathe up here. I can't breathe. It's too stressful. And then what that happens is they feel they need to descend back down to base camp so they can get their oxygen. And you see this with people who quit drinking. They get anxious because they're doing much better than their alcoholic friends. And then they're like, oh, we got to, we got to, I got to have another drink, right? Just, just one, right? And then they just fall off the wagon. They tumble right back down. So making, making your home in high altitude is pretty tough. It's, there's one reason why. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. There's one reason why like famous 
actors and musicians, they have all these agents and all these people around them who coach them through the problems of doing well, right? I mean, look at Justin Bieber, look at uh, um, right, right. look at uh, Billie Eilish and all that. All a big mess, right? I mean, Billie Eilish wore all this baggy clothing for a long time. Now she's 19 and she's just got, you know, tits out brigade going on like the prow of a battleship coming off a bed, right? And and so to to survive success is very hard because we're not really designed yeah. to vastly outstrip our origins because for most of human history, you were either born into wealth and power, like you were a king or a prince or a viscount or something. Or what happened was you did well educationally speaking like you'd become a monk or a priest but then you took a vow of poverty so you never became that wealthy and so we really weren't we're not designed to break out of our origin story now we've got a free market at least some of it a meritocracy at least some of it and so now the possibility exists to break out of our origin story but it's tough a lot of people climb up, get dizzy, and then just jump down again. They they do well, and then they start to feel, oh, man, I'm doing well. That's that's bad, man. I mean, I can't be proud of it to my friends because they'll get resentful. Uh, I can't really talk about it with my family. So they end up sealed off by their own success. And then what happens is they're like, okay, well, if I just get rid of all of this stuff, it's all unconscious, right? I get rid of all of this stuff, then I can just go back to where I started and still have good topics of conversation, which is why the people who win the lottery often become very lonely and blow the money, and it's just their way of going back to where they started and feel like they still have things in common with a lot of the losers that they began life around. So, yeah, yeah you said that makes I, sense, but go ahead. Yeah, I'd just like to add as well that the anxiety seems to run mostly on my dad's side as well. So my dad was prone to anxiety and also his dad as well. So they didn't cope with it too well, but they also had that that anxiety that I sort of see in myself as well. So yeah, prone to anxiety. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure you don't think that that's some sort of baseline thing or genetic thing or something like that. Because I don't. Well, think that's, that's that's what I don't know, and that's why I was what I was calling in. What well, did your did your father come know. from a poor background? Not really. It was sort of a middle class background. Uh, his dad. Um, I, I don't know the details about it, but his dad had some kind of mental breakdown and he ended up in a mental hospital and they gave him electroshock therapy and all that stuff that they did back then. And yeah, he was never the same after that. Well, so no, that stuff really fries your brain, literally fries your brain, right? Oh yeah, it's pretty... And you don't know what the history was with all... Um, I'm not very... I'm not very close with my dad, so I don't really uh, know the the deep history there. Are you close to your dad? Uh, and then, yeah. No, not really. And what's the story with that? Well, he was never close to me in the first place, so like it has to come from the parent, right? So it's... Yeah. I don't feel as though it's like a choice. It's, it was my choice or anything but he was never he was always quite absent quite distant right so it's your dad who's kind of running the beginning part of our conversation where you're kind of guarded and distant yeah maybe no no without a doubt (laughs) i mean like there's you're very (laughs) good at this and again i don't mean this in any critical way it's just an observation right so 
if okay. uh, you're a young man, right? And and although I know it, it, it feels odd to me, but of course I know there are a lot of people out there who look at me as kind of a father figure. So if I'm sort oh, of... Oh, yeah, I actually, I actually do as well, yeah. Right, right. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll, I'll try to live up to that as, as best I can. <laughs> but it means that if you've got a history of a distant dad, then the conversation with your web dad or internet dad or whatever is going to have that <laughs> it's going to have that aspect of it to it right which is just like guarded and right. and all of that yep and do you know why your dad decided to forego the pleasure of your intimate company for his life <sighs> well he honestly i don't I don't even like know if he has the the capability because he doesn't have like really close like personal relationships with anyone sort of like he's he spreads himself thin right so he's really good at socializing on the outside with people at parties and dinners and oh uh, king king of the empty-headed small talk stuff and jokes and entertaining people and good stories and but but no personal revelations yeah, good or times connection. and good times and, and and stuff like that but is no he in sales really what is he in sales or marketing nah okay just wondering um no but he's yeah he's 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 good with 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 that sort of stuff but he doesn't have any really close personal relationships right so it's the same with my the same with the other the other members of my family. Like none of them were were ever close to him either. So it's not just me. All right. I'm so sorry. I th- I think you're touching your microphone no, or something. I'm getting this odd crackle from oh, time sorry. to time. So just you know, hands sorry. off the mic, man, please. Okay. So, what's the story with your mom? I, they were still together. Is that right? No. Oh, when so did they, they divorce? Broke up uh, when I was seventeen. Dude. They, Dude, why, why are you taking me on this kind of ride, man? Why are you doing this to me? Oh, uh, sorry. Do you know what kind of ride I'm talking about here? Yeah, it started when... When I was 17, I got strangely yeah, anxious yeah. about my job performance. Oh, well, that was the year that my parents separated too, but come on, man. What are you, what are you running me around the garden here for? Sorry. No, no, I'm just, I'm not mad. I'm just like, I'm genuinely curious. Like, what are you doing? I remember I said that there's something else that had to cause the anxiety. You were just self it was self-referential. There had to be something else, right? Right. Now, did you yeah, think, well, I mean, did you think at the time that I asked that a couple of minutes ago, did you think, huh, well, I, I guess I'd better be honest with Steph about the divorce thing, or did it not even cross your mind? It didn't actually cross my mind. Really? Um, yeah, but now, but now you've listened to a bunch of college shows, right? The yeah, year that your parents get divorced, you get anxious, and you're like, doesn't even cross your mind? Is that right? No, yeah, it actually didn't really cross my mind. Again, and I, I know I sound like naggy, and I'm not trying to be. I'm just yeah, trying to sort of gauge fine. like where, where we're coming from here, right? So how long had their marriage been bad, and, and who initiated the divorce, and, and what happened? Yeah, so um, my mum initiated the divorce. My dad seemed like he would be fine to just continue along with things how they were f- forever. Uh, but, yeah, at the time where they eventually broke up or she eventually said that she was leaving him, there wasn't really any relationship left anyway. So it's kind of like gradually over time just, you know, 
um, yeah, so so there wasn't really any relationship left at, at that point anyway, and it wasn't really a surprise that that they were going to be breaking up. And yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. And so sorry, I just want to make sure I understand. So there was just this general drift apart, like they just had less and less conversation, less and less time together, that kind of thing. Pretty much, um, pretty much. So they would get closer again gradually over time, and then they would have a they would have a, a, a fight. Like my dad would, he would like snap, um, snap over something small, and that would, you know, and my mum would sort of blow back, and that would call, you know have a they'd have a big fight, and uh, then my dad just wouldn't talk to anyone for a while and then they would gradually gradually sort of start talking and, and get closer together again and then it would happen again and then oh so it's the same same shit as the finances right yeah right uh, finances get better and then they crater and then they get better and then they crater and like the same thing with the closeness right crater. i mean that things would get better then he'd and and would he say and the same thing with my anxiety i guess right well, yeah, I'm I'm going to be really skeptical fresh. about your self-pronouncements about your anxiety at the moment, if that makes sense, <laughs> just because I did happen to accidentally come across the course of it when you were 17. So uh, let's let's hold off on your insights about your anxiety, if you don't mind, and we'll, we'll get there. But I'm going to have to clearly do a bit of a wider sweep and scan of your history to, to get the circumstances. So... Yeah, sure. Do you have siblings? Yes. Okay, okay. And where are you in the birth order? I'm the oldest, so I have one sister that's younger. Okay, I got it. Now, was your father somebody who was tense a lot and you didn't know when he would, uh, and you kind of got the sense like, okay, I'm walking across a minefield, it could go off. Or was he the kind of guy who was relaxed but then would slowly get tense over time and then blow up or was he relaxed but then would just it would blow up out of nowhere or what was the level of his it could just be out of it could just be out of nowhere yeah right okay so he was generally kind of relaxed and gregarious and it sounds like good conversationalist and then boom like just at you say out of nowhere then he'd just blow up about something oh yeah he could just blow up about just some just some little thing can you remember an example i mean how how little are we talking Um, uh, let me, let me think, um, uh, look, I remember, I remember one time, um, and this didn't end up being a big, big fight or anything, but it still sort of stuck with me. We're on a, a boat and I asked him, we were, you know, talking and I asked him, Oh, is that the um, whatever island over there? So I pointed to an island over there, and he just snapped at me like, "Oh, what do you think?" Like it was just like really vicious, and I was just like really kind of uh, humiliating, I guess. Oh, so does it experience? Do you experience anything similar? If I'm kind of nagging you a little bit over the course of this conversation, does it seem similar or or not not the same or? Uh, not so much because I, I like I know that you're. Just trying to like you're trying to help and you're trying to get to the the cause of it and like sort of dig the truth out. So I understand that. Yeah, and I'm I'm not critical. I'm just I just want to make sure we connect uh, over the course of this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's 
That's fun. Yeah. It's a little bit like but, trying to get yeah, a squirrel and, to feed out of your hand, but we'll get there. We will absolutely <laughs> get there. I promise you. Just just trust me in the process, yeah. and and we'll get there. Okay. Uh, sorry. Is there something else that you wanted to mention at the moment? I got more questions, oh, no, but yeah, I don't so want to interrupt. Be, yeah. Sorry. So it could just be some some things like things like that 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 would happen, and um, and you know, so that yeah was kind of. Uh, humiliating um it would cause a fight with my mum if she was around because then she'd you know say to him like oh don't you can't talk to him like that da, da, da. and then he would he would start yelling at her and they would just have a fight oh so yelling at her so he would escalate pretty pretty hard right well that would that would end up they would i remember this a whole bunch of times when i was uh like little and they would end up yelling at each other and then my dad would eventually just leave. He would storm out and go and stay the night in a motel or something and come back the next day and just not talk to anyone for a, for a while. And no, a while. So that's you know, very vague. Like but what, how, what do you mean a while? Okay, how? like, um, I don't know, like a couple of days or something. And then they would, you know, just talk about the essential stuff they needed to talk about. But there was no, like warmness or anything and then over the coming weeks they would gradually sort of you know get get closer again where you know they would sort of joke around and sort of be a bit more warm towards each other i guess and then yeah then it was just and was there any kind of rhythm to the stuff are we talking a three-month cycle six month one month one week one year like as far as like um explosions and then there was good parts and good parts and and good Cycles and bad cycles. Yes, I know. I That's say. why I'm calling it a cycle. I'm just, sorry, sorry, I'm just curious sorry. what the rhythm was here. Uh, yeah, I would say probably months. Yeah, like three months. Probably months. Um, yeah, oh, one month. Something like that would. Uh, I was pretty young, so I don't know exactly, but probably yeah, probably months. I'd say so, like a few months, and then it would um, things would get better, and then you know we just snap or over some. Do you, do you know if your dad had any kind of secret life? Because that kind of blow up to me often is associated with, obviously not perfectly, but it's it's often associated with like a secret life, like an affair or a gambling debts or like I said this uh, in a show I published on Locals the other day that I had a friend who he got he got fired from his job because he was working on a book over lunch and found it easier to write while he was drinking and he basically would get drunk and and show up to work in the afternoon he ended up getting fired he didn't tell his wife and he just like pretend to go to work and then just come back home for the day yep, but he yep. took money out of their retirement plan to pretend he had a paycheck they had separate accounts or whatever and so he is pretty tense during that whole time because he had this whole secret life thing going on that that and i'm just i don't know did you well, ever get any indication of that from your dad uh he had a lot of he did have a lot of debt and he had a lot of ended up having a lot of tax debt because as a self-employed person, you have to pay your own taxes at tax time. You don't just get it withheld from your paycheck. So what ended up happening is he would be in, he would go way in, in debt to the um, internal revenue department. Oh yeah. So he did the entrepreneur and, thing where it's like, wow, look at all the money I have. I, I, I've got so yeah, much money. I money. can, And then like the, yeah. the, the tax bill comes and it's like, uh, oh dear. No, all, all always look that. And then, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But um, one time, like it's all, it's kind of all, it's all resolved now. Like there's nothing sort of outstanding now. 
but um, he did almost go to prison one time because the um, IRD got to the point where they basically said, okay, you either have to pay us like 20 grand right now or we're sending you to prison because he, he delayed it so much. Uh, did, did you not have, I mean, this, this may be a technical question. You don't have to answer anything, but I mean, yeah. I always say to entrepreneurs, man, just get a good accountant, right? And and make sure that you pay your taxes, oh, yeah, you know, and, no. right? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have an accountant. But th- this is the thing that was so stupid is that all of the fines and all of the stuff that he paid and like tax fines and stuff like that probably wasn't that much different to what he could have like written off if he'd actually like had a proper accountant and he could have like written off all of his business expenses and, you know, uh, got a Re, you know, tax refunds for, for this and that. Oh, yeah, listen, so yeah, probably, you, you, you yeah. get an accountant and a good accountant because you don't want to be doing your own taxes, especially if you're incorporated or you're an entrepreneur with, you know, this kind of stuff, an LLC or something. It's ridiculously complicated. You don't know what right right or wrong. And, and the rules are always changing. And every time you're doing your taxes, you're not doing your business. So, of course, you, you outsource it to someone else. In the same way, it's like you don't figure out how to scrape your own gums with a... The, that weird scratch that they have at the dentist, you go to a dentist or a dental hygienist and have them do it for you, right? So, yeah, okay. Yeah, That's just a general I, bit of I'm advice out there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just employed normally, and I, I just go to a tax agent just, you know, because they know, they know everything. And if anything goes wrong, then you can just point to them, right? Right. I mean, I, I, way back in the day, I used to be able to get programs and do it, and I used to do my taxes back in the 80s and 90s that way. But yeah, the moment things got complicated, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're deducting stuff and all, oh, yeah, yeah, you get a good accountant who knows what yeah. he's doing. I don't. Okay. So so why do you think your dad didn't... Did, I mean, this must have been suggested by your mom or you or someone, right? So why do you think your dad didn't get an accountant? I'm not too sure he was, I don't know if there's anything else, like there could be stuff that even I don't know about, or even maybe my mum might not know about to this, uh, to this day, but maybe there was other stuff that, that, that I didn't know about, but he was kind of a bit secretive, like in that way, like he didn't want anyone to know about his finances, and even he didn't want people to know, to be able to reach him at any time, like he refused, he always refused to like, just carry a mobile phone or, or whatever like he would re- refuse to to have one or when he did have one he'd always have it turned off well but want, that's pretty want, common with people in, at any time right th- that's pretty common with people who don't pay their bills though i, I remember way back oh, yeah. in, I, I, so way back in the day so can, can i just ask you for a quick favor in this convo i, I hate yep. to be a nag there's something that's just driving me crazy i keep talking and then you keep talking over me sorry okay and and I know I do that sometimes as well, but but it seems like just about every time I open my mouth, you start talking right in the middle of my sentence, and I don't know if you have something okay. that you need to add, and it's really just throwing me off as far as that goes. So uh, if you could just wait till okay, I'm finished sorry. by thought okay. and then say stuff. But you know, if I started saying stuff, whenever you started saying stuff, we just couldn't have a convo. Like I just, if you could, if you could hold off on that, uh, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, like I remember. So back in the day, I way back in the day. I used to sometimes be like a movie extra, like it's a pretty decent way to make some money and it was kind of fun in a way. And I met a guy and we really hit it off as as, as friends and we were friends for a little while and he was really in debt. And he had this whole system, which is like you had to you had to call, let it ring twice, call it, let it ring once, then call again and he'd pick up just so he didn't end up picking up from the people who were trying to get his 
his money. So, yeah, if you've ever been around people who are heavily in debt, they usually have this whole moat system of, you know, this may have been why he was. Uh, and, and this would be probably, maybe it was just the tax authorities. But I would imagine if he was taking money to pay the tax authorities, there were other bills that he weren't paying, or wasn't paying. So he was probably pretty stressed about this debt stuff. And as you say, it sounds a little bit unnecessary because he was making pretty good money. And if he just managed it properly or got an accountant or, you know, planned in a basic manner or turned it all over to his wife, you know, because oftentimes if you've got a a, a wife who's good with money, that's not a bad, she's not a bad person to hand your money over to and you just focus on, on the business side. But did your mom take any involvement in his business that you know of? Not really. She did help him with, um, you know, some sort of filing and management and, and paperwork and stuff from time to time, but generally generally not. Uh, she was she didn't have to work when I was uh, younger and so she was like sort of the primary uh, the primary caregiver and she you know stayed home and and raised me and my sister and she sort of started working part time when I when we were a bit older but she didn't wasn't really too involved with the with the business side of things. Uh, what, what was the industry or... Although they would talk about it. But yeah. yeah, what was the industry or business um, sector that was, he was in? It was law. Now, was he himself a lawyer? So, he's not a lawyer himself. However, he... He's not a lawyer himself. Like, he doesn't have a, a, a law degree or anything like that. So he could, can't practice law himself, but he works closely with a high-level lawyer got it okay so just one other thing you uh, you explain things usually three times and i'm you know yeah. we're, we're both smart people right so you say my mom was a stay-at-home mom she took she stayed home and she took care of my sister and i and she didn't have to work it's like no, i know what a stay-at-home mom is right and we can we can just dispense with the rest so you say like my dad's not a lawyer he didn't have a law degree it's like i know i know what not a lawyer so again just to, in the interest of sanity and time just assume that you're dealing with a smart guy who gets it the first time around and i'm also uh, i'm an excellent listener so I'll, I'll get that and this is just part of the slow hypnotic way of trying to keep us at a distance in the conversation so uh, you know, just, just right. if you could help me out a little bit that way, I'd, I'd appreciate it. And uh, what's your age range? Mid-20s. Mid-20s, okay, okay. And so your father is still plugging away, is that right? Yep. Uh, we live in different countries now. Right, okay. Um, yeah. Do you but remember... Still, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Plugging away. Yeah, he's uh, he's also been uh, diagnosed with leukemia now, so he probably doesn't have that long. Oh gosh, when did that happen? A few years ago, um, I'd say. But he he has got a he's got a new partner now as well. So yeah, so she's she's taking care of him as well. Wow. Is do you know if anything about his prognosis? It's in remission, so it's not too bad at the moment. He hasn't had to start any chemo or anything yet, but he will have to at some point soon. So, Wait, yeah. they he got leukemia. They didn't treat him. It went into remission, and they're going to treat him later? That seems odd to me. Well, the, the count, the I don't know the specifics, but they're like the white blood cell count is low enough that they, they don't need to do chemo yet like they're going to wait till it gets high and then do chemo because the 
you know, the bad effects of, of chemo as well. I do. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, do you remember, like, the, you know, your, your dad was your dad in the house for 17 years. I probably can't remember the first couple of years. If you think about sort of the arc of your dad's life, how did it go, right? I mean, you think of a movie like Citizen Kane. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's like a big arc of the character, you know, where he starts and where he ends. Uh, it's usually quite different. And, and this is true for a lot of people's lives, right? I mean, my mom was like this vivacious, uh, attractive, you know, bombshell who could command attention. And then she just kind of ended up this this weird skinny old woman, right? So there's this character arc that goes off uh, in, in people's lives. And I guess I'm just wondering what, if you sort of noticed the, the big sort of patterns or, or arc of your dad's life for better and for worse. Well, he's pretty much, you know, winding down now as he gets older and also because he's got leukemia as well. He's actually seems, from what I can see, he seems to be fairly happy just you know with his socializing with his friends and you know going about his business and stuff uh over there um it doesn't really seem to bother him that he's not close with his children and that they live in a different country and he doesn't you know really see them anymore well then even the mortality scare didn't seem to do that much right like if i guess if you get that diagnosis Uh, it wasn't like he's like, no. oh, my God, I could die. I've got to make peace with my kids. Or that, that didn't seem to happen, right? No, it didn't. And, or actually, because I have been back to see him a couple times or a few times since since he got diagnosed. And I did think, oh, maybe, you know, he'd have like a, you know, a, a moment, you know, since he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. So he might realize what's important or, or something like that but no he uh he did snap again at me over some stupid thing uh the last time i was there and i just haven't been back since i'm ha- have no interest in going back anymore now. i'm really sorry about that i really am that's uh, that's very, it's so fundamentally and horrifyingly sad i i really am i'm very sorry about that i mean there's a lot of you know wisdom that you could get from your dad and and hopefully some good things and as well and it, it's it's such a desperate shame that that's not available and i'm i'm just i'm just really really sorry i mean as a father myself it's just Thanks. it's a really really sad and 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 silly and kind of pitiful state of affairs not not anything to do with you or or what you've done wrong i don't think you've done anything wrong but it's just it's sad that these kinds of decisions. So what happened after your parents separate and, and how did you end up living in different countries? So when I was 17, after they separated, we had to, we lived in the country. We had to move to a city in order to be able to like get jobs and stuff like that, because we lived in the country where there was not much opportunity. Um, we decided to move uh, to uh, Australia from New Zealand uh, where we had some other family, like some extended family living there. And um, yeah, so we moved over there when I was 17. And we've, my family, like my sister and my mum and me have sort of all been together here in Australia since then. And did your dad stay in New Zealand? Yep, he stayed in New Zealand. And this is the thing is that he has never bothered to come over and see us like I've I, I went back to see him a few times as I mentioned 
and he never bothered to come over um, at all. Even wow. actually, he and it's he it's short. Went, I've done that flight, right? I mean, it's a short flight. It's three hours, yeah. Yeah, it's easier to get from Australia to New Zealand than to get yeah. from the middle of Canada to either end. You know, okay. Yeah, wow. and and here's the other thing is that which was kind of like pretty, pretty sad. We all thought is that he actually did go on holiday to Australia to a different part of Australia a couple of years back, but didn't bother to come and see us. Wow. Like he went to a different state in Australia. I guess it's kind of like my dad too. Like, I mean, my dad, I, I believe he died in hospital last year. So usually when you die in hospital, you've got some warning. It's not like you get hit by a bus or something. And yeah, there was never any reach out, never any connection, never any anything like that. No. And okay, so what's your mom's story about your dad? Have you ever talked to her and said like, what, what's what's the deal with dad? Yeah, I have. So she pretty much didn't didn't have any interest in having kids until she was in her she, she till she kind of hit 30 or early 30s and then she I guess suddenly got like the the baby rabies or, or whatever you know happens at, at that age when you hadn't thought about it and then suddenly you you get the urge or you you, you really want to have children and because she hadn't sort of planned for it uh beforehand she basically grabbed on to the first sort of half decent sort of looking guy um, in order to uh, to have a family. So it was quite rushed. And I think I was born like only maybe a year or, or, or less after they got together. Well, that's a very brief explanation of things. Um did she did she has well, she ever yeah. has she ever said uh, uh about your dad i mean yeah he was cold to me too or he's just a cold person or he's got no attachment oh yeah or... yeah yeah Def- definitely so there's there was she she did realize quite early on but she just continued continued anyway with it and yeah he, for the he, kids they, kind of thing they, yeah yeah so like when we were growing up when i was little um she wanted to to be with us sort of more than anything. She didn't want to have to go out and get a full-time job and put us in daycare and after-school care. Uh, so she just stuck with him for that reason, uh, which I am glad about because I'm really glad I didn't have to get put in daycare or after-school care because I saw that happen with other uh, other kids and it yeah, seemed pretty pretty bad. Yeah, no, I I agree. Good, yeah, good for her. And I guess he was at least a good enough provider that he could give that, right? Oh yeah. So we did, uh, for the most part. Like my my childhood was quite quite happy. We had a lot of fun, and you know, did a lot of things. Uh, especially with my mum, like she would just take us and and you know, go on trips and do things during the day. And he would um, uh, for. for uh, for a lot of the time while I was little, they didn't even live in the same house. So we lived in the country. And oh, he worked in the city? Worked in the city. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about that. Like you're living in the country, but he helps lawyers. Not a lot of lawyers in the country, right? So, okay. 
No, and he would stay in the city and he would basically live with one of his mates and during the week and live flat in the city and yeah, basically live kind of like a bachelor during the week, going to bars and stuff after work and kind of living like a bachelor during the week and then just coming home on the weekend. Oh, interesting. How much so like kinda, a bachelor? How much like a bachelor do you think he lived? <laughs> I don't believe he had any affair um, because he, he wasn't, he just wasn't like, and I think he just wasn't like that passionate enough about like <laughs> women and stuff to like, you know, go and, and have an affair. Like my mum never said that she never thought that he, he ever had an affair, you know, for that, for that reason. She said he didn't think that he would be, he would be bothered to have one. So, I mean, I don't know, like it's possible, I guess that he, that he may have, but um, we don't think so. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it would be entirely theoretical. We've got no evidence either way, other than and your mum, I'm sure, has, has said that she, your mum said that he, she didn't think he did. So we could take that at no, face value. No, there's no evidence whatsoever. She yeah. said that um, that he did have an affair. So right, right, yeah, okay. But he would just you know want to hang out with hang out with his his friends and just hang out with people in a sort of very surface level socialization. He prefers that than being with his family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beer, cricket, rugby. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So do you know, I mean, how long did he do the live in the city during the week thing? That was while we were younger. Um, when we got a bit older, it became sort of possible for him to work from home. And so he did mostly just work from home and um, he would go into the city when you know there were when he had to like go into court and stuff like that so but he spent a lot of time working at home doing like research and you know teleconferences and things like that and yeah just sort of yeah socializing in the small town that we lived in you know um he would be very very involved in the community on the outside but not very involved with the family on the inside sort of yeah, that's a lot more common than people think. It's a lot more common. I mean, you can yeah, be close to the community or close to your family. It doesn't seem that the two are pretty easy. It doesn't seem like the two are very easy to achieve, but that's uh, probably a topic for another time. And do you know, with the divorce, with the separation, your mom initiated it, is that right? Yeah, they, they weren't actually uh, married. Okay, separation, yeah. So but they'd be like common law married, like, kind of many times. Over oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, a de facto, it was a de facto kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, my mum initiated it um, because, yeah, she just didn't didn't want to be with him anymore. We were sort of 15 and 17, respectively, so there was no reason that she had to just stay with him, like, for the kids because we were kind of, you know. Well, I mean, but another couple of years would have been less... Right. I mean, you, you, your sister's 15, so she's still yeah. got another two years of, of high school. So it must have been something that hit the gas on that because she was probably like, well, I'm going to wait till your sister is, is out of high school at least, right? Then you go to, go to uni or something, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. was there any particular big blow up or, or a reason why she couldn't make that final sprint? There wasn't any big particular thing, but I think she just got, um, I think she just got, she was just really tired of it, of um, of being with him, and she just like kind of couldn't stand it anymore. I guess I don't know. 
but there was no particular thing that happened. Okay. Okay. Um, and yeah, my sister's, uh, my sister has had, um, my sister's had issues as well. Uh, go on. Yeah. So, um, she's, she had really, well, and still does, uh, really severe OCD. And uh, she was actually um, admitted to a um, mental hospital here in Australia for a while. And that was sort of happened when uh, I guess I probably would have been about, I would have been about sort of 19 maybe at that stage. 18, 19. And was it the OCD or something else that got her into the uh, mental hospital? Uh, it was the OCD. So, uh Basically, what happened is her OCD got worse and worse, and she stopped. Uh, she stopped eating, and then um, we called the the ambulance because we didn't know what to do, and they checked her out and said that yeah, they have to they have to, to take her to the the hospital because she was the in danger of of dying. Wow! And so they took her to the hospital, and they had like the pull the tube down the throat and that kind of thing. Now, the, the OCD, so yeah, I mean, because that's almost like a, an eating disorder that strikes me. The, the, how did the OCD manifest? Um, it's sort of manifested in kind of like, kind of like rituals or like, I can't do this until I've done all of these like stupid sort of or like silly kind of uh, kind of rituals and then it sort of just got worse and worse and spiraled to the point that she couldn't actually function and uh, uh, do you remember how old she was when these first manifested these symptoms first manifested um it had kind of been there a bit in the background just low level um sort of all our life but just sort of very low level again like sort of my anxiety i guess it kind of really flared up at about the same sort of time. Um, so like after the, after, after moving country, that was when it really flared up for her. So you got and some, I guess, moderate yeah. to maybe severe anxiety and she got OCD after the separation, right? Yeah. Although for her, especially there was, there was traces of it beforehand. So yeah, yeah, but it really escalated, right? right back. But that's when it really escalated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Mm. So the nature of the divorce is the key, or rather what the... And I know it, they weren't married, but just separation just sounds kind of lame because uh, it basically was a divorce as far as the kids went, right? I mean, whether you're formally married... Effectively, yeah. Yeah, but so would just say divorce if you, if you don't mind. So the divorce... So how, I mean, did you, you, you move, did you move countries pretty quickly after the separation or the divorce? Uh, yeah, pretty much straight away. Well, okay. oh, we sold the house first. So we sold the house and yeah, we, we sold the house, took the money from there and then moved. And right. So okay. And so. What were the conversations with your dad about you leaving the country? Because obviously he said, well, I'm not coming, right? 
uh, yeah, well, he basically, he basically said, okay, well, I'm going to go and move in with my sister um, until, you know, whatever. He we went and moved in with her for a while. And um, he actually, oh, actually, he sat me down and he was like, oh, I don't know, you're going <laughs> to be annoyed I didn't tell you this earlier, I guess. Anyway, hey, good. At he, least, at least, inner staff is keeping you informed. So, go ahead. Yeah, now that this thinks of it, so he, he was he was kind of really sort of nice and friendly, sort of all the way up to to leaving. Like he was just sort of quite mild and sort of just you know like oh well you know at least you're going to have good opportunities in the in the big city and everything like that. Um, it's probably for the best or whatever. And then he sat me down sort of right before we left, and he was like. Um, oh, you think you're going to just go over there and you're just going to walk into a job? Well, you won't, blah, blah, blah. And he's like giving me this advice and basically kind of like, yeah, but it was really quite aggressive, like saying like, you think you're just going to, you'd think you're just going to go over there and you're just going to, just going to walk into a job and things like that. Well, it's not going to happen and, and stuff like this. And Wait, that's not advice. Uh, that's a goddamn curse. That's like a voodoo and, spell of disaster, isn't it? Yeah, and it was. I kind of that's, really. That's sabotage. That's not advice. Where's this coming from? Yeah, and uh, but the thing is, is that that exact thing did actually happen. So when I when I did um, move to Australia, and after a few months of settling in, I did look for a job, and I did get the first job that I applied for. Yeah, of course you did, because you're a smart guy. So that exact same thing okay. That so you, what? Like you won't okay. Just go so and walk into a job, and that's exactly what happens. So. Right. Mm. So you say that you have you have anxiety about your job performance without telling me that your dad cursed you for to unemployment, right? Yeah, that's what I said. No, it's fine. That's fine. Um, so what was he doing? What was his motive? I that I would out out succeed him. Maybe, maybe. Anything else? Um, not 100% sure. Not 100% sure. What do you think? Well, my guess would be more that he was trying to hurt your mom by cursing you. Because it doesn't sound like he cared that much about you, but he would certainly care about, I assume, about hurting your mom, right? Yeah, he... he you think yeah, this family he, he can be successful be. without me? Let me tell you something. I'm going to make sure these kids are really screwed up. And that way... Well, it could be like a vanity thing, yeah. A what? Like a vanity thing, like, you know, that, that we can be successful without him. Well, no, because if he was truly if he was truly vain, right? If he was truly vain and truly thought that that, then he would just let it play out, right? You know, like if oh, if yeah, you've I got if like, you've got a friend yeah. who doesn't brush his teeth, you don't need to curse them. Like, you just you know, you should brush your teeth. No, I'm not going to. Okay, well, I really think you should. No, don't tell me what to do. My teeth are fine, right? Okay, uh, and then you just let it play out, right? You could, so so your dad by by stepping in to actively sabotage. The kids, and who knows what he said to your mom. He probably said to your mom, 
you know, you're never going to find another guy like me. Uh, you know, you're you're over the hill. You're you're past your prime. You know, you you you've lost your spark, your appeal, whatever. Right? He probably cursed her uh, into into solitude. Maybe that's how it played out. Maybe she's with someone again. But uh, and and then you know, God knows what unbelievable things he said to your sister to trigger all this OCD escalation, right? Yeah. Do you know what he said? Don't know to your what sister? He, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not actually sure what he said at the time of uh, leaving. Um, I don't. I don't recall anything. I mean, well, you wouldn't be there, right? Yeah, but I'm not too sure what what he said at that point. But um, yeah, um, you should ask your sister uh, what. Yeah. If if yeah. he had if she had a tidy little sit down with with her dad before leaving New Zealand. Although this was, and this was like obviously years later, but um, after he, remember I told you that he like snapped at me the last time and then I haven't been back since. Um, she was in New Zealand after that one more time and she did see him and then she did mention, she, she brought that up and they had a, a big fight about that because she, she, she got like really angry at him him having said that to me and then he basically he basically said well if you guys can't handle it then you can get if you know if you guys can't handle what me snapping at you or me whatever being yeah. who i am yeah. you can get yeah. get fucked is that yeah. what he said yep and did so he she, did he swear at or around the kids with. sorry go ahead yeah and then she just starts stormed out and just yeah um she's yeah said that she was done with him and just left and has your mom intervened at all to try and save or rescue the relationship between your sister and you and your dad i'm not saying she should have i'm just curious if she has um earlier on earlier on she 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 did say because when i was seeing him uh, and going over to see him uh, and when he had leukemia and stuff and before he, he snapped again, she did say that, uh, oh, it's, you know, good that you have uh, at least, you know, having some sort of, you know, some sort of relationship with him or whatever or some, you know, it's it's good that you're getting along with him and stuff like that. So she was happy about that. Um, then, yeah, after this thing with my, with my sister, like she's kind of acknowledged that it's, yeah, it's kind of, all over because I mean, like, what, what can you, like, what can you expect after that, right? I mean, you say snapping, but telling one of your kids to get fucked is really brutal and harsh and vicious. I mean, that's yeah. that's straight up core um, attachment breaking verbal abuse. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah, that's. That's why it's good to, to talk to you about this because you're, um, yeah, just to sort of get that. I mean, if he was Australian, it would obviously be completely normal. But New Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand is a whole, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Is he Maori? Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, um, no, no, we're white. So, yeah, I mean, so the, the snapping bit, I don't know, man. I don't think snapping is quite the right word. No, yeah, that was that was that was uh, on a higher level. Yeah, that was on a higher level. Um, and what did he say to you when you last 
experience the snapping? Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was like, um, basically he, it was at a, um, it was at a restaurant and he, it was just like, it was just about like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just about like table etiquette or something stupid like that. Oh, like elbows on the table, that sort of shit. It wasn't that exactly, but something like that. Just some sort of table etiquette doesn't really... You're using the wrong fork for your prawns. Okay, right. Yeah. But he just, like, completely just went off just all of a sudden. It wasn't, like, a reasonable person that might say, like, oh, could you you not do that? Or could you you do it like this instead or something, you know? Just so how how did he phrase it or what oh. what how what did he say? Oh, he's just like oh, I don't know what you guys think is acceptable in, over there in Australia, blah 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 blah, and just went off sort of from there. Now, okay, so help me understand. I, I mean, you know, my I've been doing this like fifteen years plus, right? I've heard some pretty harsh things from parents to kids. You know, like yeah. nagging at you about table manners, and that does sound in the nagging category. It seems like not as much as I've heard to break relations with your father, if that makes sense. So, and I'm not saying you, you should or so? shouldn't. I'm just saying that as far as the scales of offenses on this show goes, this barely registers as a two. And so no criticism or anything. I'm just sort of trying to sort of flesh out why it would be so different for you as opposed to others or whether there's something else or some other provocation that is is occurring. Well, so you're saying, uh, sorry, you're saying that it's, it's pretty mild. Well, it's pretty mild to say, I don't know what mild, you guys do in mild. Australia, but, but here in New Zealand, we don't do that. I mean, it's, it's certainly a little harsh and, and, and all of that, but it's not like torrents of verbal abuse or you know he's not you know flinging hot soup at your face or you know i mean i i i don't know i'm just sort of trying to fathom the you know that he's he's nagging at you harshly about table manners i mean you've listened to this show i mean uh, i've had you know fathers who beat the hell out of their kids regularly and the kids are still sticking around as adults and so i'm just trying to figure out given the unusualness, and there's no criticism, I mean, you could be entirely in the right, but it, as far as the scale goes, what he said yeah, well, to you was does. not super harsh compared to other things I've heard, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and, I mean, he basically, it was kind of like, humiliating, I guess, because it was in front of, you know, it was kind of like a scene, sort of. Oh, so it wasn't just you and he at the table? It's kind of... Uh, it was him and me and his partner, um, but he's like he was kind of like. You mean his like, romantic? Sorry to interrupt. You mean his romantic partner? Yes. Okay. But it was it was loud. Like he was kind of like yelling, right? And he, oh, he okay. I can't remember what, but he was like effing this and effing that and whatever. As well. Oh, so he swore as well. Yeah. Okay, so dude. <laughs> My God, please stop like, having me run around in circles I, I here. I, I didn't Tell me what across, he said and how across. he said it. Just just pretend I was at the table. I'm you. What did he say and how did he say it? I can't remember the exact words, but he, he did yell and he was like, oh, you, you think um, uh, you think you can fucking do this or that? I don't know what you fucking guys do in Australia. They're fucking, fucking, um, 
it's not um, fucking acceptable here, da 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 da, like that sort of. But so, and he was he was yelling as well. Did he? I mean, because so that swearing about what you're doing. Did he swear at you? Like you can take these and just fuck off, or you could take these manners and shove them. No, up he your didn't ass swear. Or? He didn't swear at me at that. He didn't swear at me at that at that time. Was that? And where was this relative to his leukemia diagnosis? Well, this was the last time I went there, so that was my that was sort of just before COVID. Yeah, so I'm not sure where that is relative to his leukemia diagnosis. Sorry, a couple of years ago. Uh, oh no, it was it was it was well after it. Well after it. Okay, okay. And yeah, what did his partner years. do? Um, she basically, she basically was like, because he he didn't he didn't apologize or anything afterwards, right? And she was like, oh, you know, um, it was a bit harsh, but like that's just how he is or whatever. Like she's basically just like, you know, she doesn't stand up to him at all. So, good lord, right. So, I mean, I guess he, I mean, now your mom must have been a bit of a dishrag as far as all of that went too. I mean, I know she fought back at times, but yeah. So, you know, and, and here, so, okay. My mom always, always fought back against him and that's why that's, that's, yeah, that's why it escalated. Well, but she must have held back in order to marry, keep the marriage going for 17 or 18 years, right? Or keep the relationship going, right? Well, yeah, I mean, she didn't. Yeah, she didn't like she didn't leave him or anything. At, at that right. Well, he that didn't time. change, and she didn't leave him, so she had to. She yeah. had to back down in order to maintain the relationship for the sake of the kids, I assume. And then when she wouldn't back down anymore, it all ended, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so she must have folded, and I'm not criticizing her for this. I'm just saying that the mechanics of the like when you have a verbally abusive bully like that, then yeah. if you don't fold, usually it's over, right? When they escalate, when they fought, they would basically fight and escalate until my dad would just storm out. That's, that's right, but your mom never laid down the law and says, you know, you pull this shit again, we're done. Like one more time. Oh we're no, done. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, she didn't do that until the end. Yeah, that's right. Well, but then she was done, right? So, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So she must have known, I assume that if she tried to lay down the law with him and say, no, this is bad for the kids, this is bad for us, this is going to wreck our relationship, you go to anger management, you you go to a therapist, you do whatever the hell you count to 100, I don't care, but you are not pulling the stuff with me. Yeah, well, I mean, after you would come back the next the next day or whatever, she wouldn't, she wouldn't insist on, on confronting it uh, again. She would just leave it until we kind of yeah right so your mother has got back to normal again well your mother i guess understood that he would always choose his temper over his family right so if somebody tried to lay down the law then he'd just be like fuck off right and he'd just storm out and wouldn't come back right which is what he did with my sister when she she confronted him about it and she wouldn't back down and she kept you know um you know, she 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 kept uh, kept on at it, and that's when he's like, "Oh, if you can't handle it, you guys can all f off or get f or whatever." Right, right. So yeah, I mean that's. 
Did he want kids? I mean, I guess when he got together with your mom, she didn't want kids, and then she did, right? Oh, no, no, sorry. She already wanted the no, kids. No, she did. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I forgot about that. That's why so she wanted So she got them, the yeah. baby rabies. She grabs him out of the lineup, and do you, do you think he ever, I mean, did he take pleasure in being a father? Did he take pleasure in having kids? Did he take pleasure in instructing or playing? Or, I mean, what was what was that like for him? Um, he did seem excited, uh, like at first when I, before I was born or when I was just born, um, I, I think there was kind of a vanity thing as well. Like he, you know, uh, like he, he sort of, um, enjoyed the, the vanity, I guess that, that it gave him or whatever, but yeah, he pretty quickly, Pretty, pretty. He pretty quickly kind of, yeah, lost interest. Right now, did you ever see him escalate his temper against anyone in authority or strangers or waiters? Like, did he did he yell at at people outside the family? Did he tell people to fuck off or whatever or or fucking this or fucking that? Um, I yeah, but only, but not people that that not people that would be in um, high positions of power, right? So, it's like it could be, he could really be a an asshole, you know, like for example, at a at a shop, um, trying to get some product and they didn't have it in stock or whatever, and he'd like yell and make a scene and make like the girl, at the like the cashier girl cry or whatever. Oh my god! I remember that when I was like a little kid, and it was like, yeah, but but yeah, not to anyone in authority, like not not obviously when. When the tax man came coming, he wasn't telling them to, yeah, right, fuck off or or anything. Or a policeman, or or uh, you know his law, his you know um, other lawyers or legal people with you know clout or you know high status and authority or whatever. So it's just so he had no he had no problem keeping his temper when other people had some authority over him, right? Oh yeah, like he wouldn't wouldn't yeah he wouldn't have showing it to, to them or the, the you know, the, the guy, the high-level lawyer that he worked for or whatever wouldn't have seen any of that, no way. Okay, so let's just reiterate this because I'm not sure that's sunk in yet or maybe this is something you processed years ago. So your dad had no problem containing his temper. Yes. Do, do you know what that means? I mean, in general? Yeah, um, it means that he... He he chose to he chose to to lose his temper because he knows that he could get away with it. He's a coward and a bully. Yeah, that's that's important to understand. Because people say, "Oh, my father had a bad temper," or "My father was ill-tempered," or "He blew up," and it's like none of that's true. None of that's true. If he had a bad temper, then the bad temper is like a demon that possesses him against his will. And, you know, and then you can at least fault someone. It's almost like epilepsy, like they just have a bad temper. And it's like, but he could be sweet as sugar, right? And and even when facing, I'm sure, in his job and, and all of that, a court, right, if the, if the judge would rule against his suggestion or the case would go badly, I mean, I'm sure he'd be all, well, please and thank you and all of that. And, and fine with the judge or the lawyers or his customers or whatever. He was probably sweet as sugar and reasonable and mature, or at least to some degree. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then when it comes to his wife, his kids, like the people who are dependent upon him and who uh, you can't fight back, 
you know, he's, he's Mr. fucking Rambo, right? He's Mr. Tough Guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or again, like low-level cashiers or people that, that don't have any authority and can't. He made a cashier cry. I've never seen that in my life, man. I've seen some pretty bad behavior, and I, I worked retail for a number of years. In I worked in a shelving store. I worked uh, in a, a hardware, a couple of hardware stores and so on, right? And, you know, we had some jerky customers, to put it mildly. But, I mean, really, made a, made made a cashier cry? Yeah, and what well, a- I, look, I've seen it like in, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm just was going to say like I've seen it happen and um, through work and like fast food and stuff like that. Um, you know where there's been asshole customers, but yeah, I mean yeah, basically just yell and make a scene and stuff and and yeah, basically yeah, I think at least one time he. he what would he say to the cashier? You, sorry to interrupt. What what would he say to the cashier? Um. Honestly, I can't actually remember. I was pretty young at the time. Like it was, I, I he took me somewhere to some shop. I was pretty young at the time, so I can't remember. I can't remember what he said, but I just remember him just yelling at me. Wow. Yeah, that that is such an abuse of power, right? Oh yeah. It's... And then, of course, he puts himself in a position, right? This is the psychology of it, as far as I'm concerned. So he bullies those weaker and dependent upon him. And then he puts him in a, himself in a situation where he is being bullied by the tax collectors and creditors, I assume, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, the indebtedness, the not hiring the accountant, is specifically to put himself in a position where he's bullied and rejected and, and, and chased, right? It's the balance for his bullying. Oh, okay. So, like, he hits down and then he's also got someone on top of him as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Did he, did yeah. he ever admit to having a bad temper or it's a problem he needs to deal with or he shouldn't do what he did or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Like, I, he would, you know, like, uh, joke about like uh, having you know like how he has uh, he has a Irish temper or whatever like in a jokey way but yeah it's, it's not it's not um, it's not funny though oh so but he never really admitted he had a problem he would just joke about no, it no like, there's like a he, he doesn't admit that he like, had an actual like serious problem he needs to deal with or anything did like. he view it as a virtue in other words I'm, you know, I guess I just have too high a set of standards and you just don't match up. And I guess I just get frustrated at the incompetence of people. And like, does he, does he have it like as a yeah, glory yeah. thing? Like this is makes him a tough man and, and he has high standards and other people better measure up or, you know, is it like that Sergeant Major stuff that, that goes on that people have about their own temper? Like somehow it's a, it's a virtue. Yeah, I guess it is kind of, uh, it is kind of like he, he has high standards and you know like when he when he said my sister like oh if you guys can't handle it you can uh get if that's kind of like it kind of seems to me like well you know if if we have a problem with measuring up to his standards then we can if off you know right and did you as a kid did you feel that you did not measure up to his lofty standards um well that's the he never really, he never really took 
any interest in anything that I was interested in, which was... Well, that means you're not measuring up to his lofty standards, right? You're not interested. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. He'd be interested in the things that he was interested in, um, not the things that I was interested in. So, like, if he wanted to, if he was interested in something or he wanted to do something, then he would do it. And if, um, but he wouldn't actually make any effort to get involved or taking interest in anything that I was interested in. Like if I, you know, like you mentioned, you know, like you play among us with your daughter and everything and you kind of like get involved with the, you know, things that she. Oh yeah. She's teaching me how to animate and, uh, you know, she liked Dungeons and Dragons. So we've been playing that off and on for years and she likes among us. So I'll play a couple hours a week with her because I want to understand. And I also, I mean, she's better at it than I am. So I enjoy watching her skill. Yeah. Uh, manifest and and her social skills and her leadership skills. So yeah, it's a, it's a great pleasure. Yeah, but but with things like that, you know, like um, you know, if I you know had some some game or whatever that I was interested in, like I would have you know loved for him to have you know just you know come and like played it with me or, or yeah or whatever. But yeah, he he never he never did. Like he he wasn't wasn't interested. He just wanted to do the things that he wanted to do. So. It's, it's not it's not that hard to do like it's not that hard to do you just have to i don't know you just have to engage with them about it you mean it's not that hard to do things with your kids no it's not i mean i don't think it's 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 not like that's it that's an i don't mean to criticize at all i mean just from a from an involved dad standpoint that's an odd thing it's an odd perspective and i'm just going to try and denormalize it for you because I think we're really getting to the anxiety stuff here. I know this has felt like a walkabout, as they say in Australia, you know. But but it's not. I mean, I've been I've been mapping this whole thing out, right? So, um, right. Do you think it's hard for me to play? Like, it's not that. Do you think I would say to myself, "Well, it's not that hard to play a game with my daughter"? No. Well, you you like doing it. Yeah, it's great fun. It's great fun. And and that's what I think as well. Like because you know, like I want to have a family, me and my girlfriend want to, to have a family and um I, I'm looking forward to um I'm looking forward to like, you know, doing things like that with my kids and playing with them and and getting involved in the things that we're interested in. Like uh, yeah, again, like I I want to do that. I'm looking forward to doing that. So Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's where we get to the core, I think. I think we're at the core, whether we <laughs> Feel it, feel the air pulsing or not. I think we're at the core. So the core, my friend, is this. What is your experience of being rejected by your father? Of your father scorning you, holding you in contempt, holding you as uninteresting, holding you as unworthy of attention? What is your relationship to fundamental rejection by your father? Um, yeah, well, he, he did check me i suppose and it, it feels yeah it feels bad so he did what you and it felt bad. what was that sorry you said he did something you and that seems like an important word no, for no, me he, to get yeah no no i just was confirming yeah he he did he did reject me and um yeah it, 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 okay so here's where i need you to, to grab yourself by your ball sack and get in touch with your feelings okay <laughs> Because okay. you sound like you're reading like <laughs> yeah. a cricket score from a game 12 years ago. Okay. Okay. You know, okay, so what is your experience? And you and I share this, right? You and I share this. What is yeah. your experience of being rejected by your father? 
What does that mean that you're rejected by your father? What does that mean to you about you, about manhood, about him, masculinity? Um, well, it, yeah, I mean, it means that like I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not interesting or the, the, uh, the things that I'm interested in are like not, um, you know, they, 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 they can't be interesting to other people and, and things like that, like. Like that, and um, trying to trying to find the words. I guess that's kind of fueled insecurity in me as well, because like his his rejection and his disinterest in me is kind of. I guess I kind of projected that on the world. You did, sorry, you did what to the world? I kind of projected that onto the world as well. That the world finds you uninteresting or? Yeah, yeah, to a degree, that's always a, that's always kind of been a, been an insecurity. And I guess I can, I can see why now, because it's just like his rejection and his disinterest sort of just projected, right? In conflicts, are you pushed over fairly easily? Do you have to withdraw quite a bit? Um, in conflicts with my dad, I've no, 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 kind of no, not not with your dad. I know your dad's impossible yeah. to stand up to, except by walking away. Yeah, but yeah, in life as a whole, in at work or or wherever this may occur. Look, I, I have I have managed to stand up for myself, but it does um, it does sort of trigger quite a um, it does sort of trigger quite a lot of, a lot of anxiety, sort of more than it should. I think <laughs> more than it should. Oh, come on, man, well, be nice I to think, yourself. <laughs> I, I think it, tr- it triggers more than it should. Like, for example, um, you know, for example, like a, a difficult boss or a difficult customer you know getting upset about something like I do you know manage to you know I come back to them and you know say like you know this is this isn't correct this is actually the case or whatever it may be like to correct them but it does it is very anxiety inducing for me and whereas with a lot of other people you know they just are like they sort of take it with with not much trouble at all like they don't seem to be bothered by it they're just like oh yeah they're upset you know whatever they'll you know they'll calm down or just you know tell them tell them what the the go is and you know they don't really not bothered by it but with me it's kind of like quite anxiety inducing those sort of confrontations right it's a funny thing i just i remember in theater school Near the end, I didn't stay. I really sick, got really sick of it. They didn't like me, and I didn't like them back. <laughs> very considerably, very Marxist, in my opinion. But I remember one of the actors who has actually become quite a successful actor. He was trying to get someone's attention. He was just drumming away on some bongos, and he was trying to get someone's attention. And he just kept repeating that person's name, and he didn't escalate. It wasn't like so and so, hey so and so, 
hey, so-and-so, so-and-so. Like, he didn't escalate. He's just like, uh-huh, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, hey, so-and-so. He, it didn't, it didn't. And I was just looking at that, like, quite fascinated. Like, here's somebody who wasn't getting what he wanted. And he didn't escalate and he didn't bully or anything like that. He's actually a pretty nice guy about it, right? And I just remember the, the being kind of weird. And that was, the, that was the same, I think that was the same month that my father visited me. Well, actually, he was visiting someone else, but he came came with me. And he tried to, I mean, he, he was a geologist, right? So he went to the university and he gave a big lecture on, I guess, the geology of South Africa. And uh, it was a fairly well-attended lecture and he was up there. And I guess he had me come and, I guess he wanted me to look up to him or be impressed by him because he had me come and sit while he gave this lecture. And he seemed quite proud of the fact that he was there giving a lecture and people were listening to him. And I'm like, you, you do understand that by promoting yourself when you rejected me, you're just making it worse, right? Like, He's, he's, he was the big man on campus, and, and he didn't achieve a huge amount of professional success, but he did lecture, and he did. Um, he was in charge of a mine in South America at one point where he tried putting – he told me this once. He said, I tried, I tried putting all of the workers on piecework to try and increase productivity, but they just achieved what they achieved when they were doing hourly. They just went home. You know, like if we pay you 10 bucks per units, right, they'd make their 50 bucks, and they just head home. They just had no interest in, in getting more. It's just kind of an interesting cultural thing. And and then that night so we went out for dinner and I was a totally broke student and I mean obviously I thought he was pretty pretty wealthy because uh, you know he was lecturing at the university and all of that and yeah a guy guy stiffed me on my restaurant meal like he stiffed me on the bill <laughs> I couldn't believe it oh I didn't I didn't have my wallet I'll, I'll get it to you <laughs> later and he never gave it back to me and I'm like I can't believe my dad lectured at a university and then stiffed his broke son on the bill anyway for 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 you know where he'd had a, a drink or two and a pretty nice. Pretty nice uh, meal, uh, a meal I never like. I never would have gone if it wasn't for my dad. And I just like, okay, I get that you're not giving me a lot of money for my college, if any. But you know, uh, you know, come and stiff me on the bill. Might have undone some of the good work you wanted to have me Im- be impressed by you lecturing at a university or something. But so, so with your dad, who is the man, right? Because you're an adult now, right? So who is yep. the man, right? Because if you look at him and he's your dad, you can't help but have this big, burning, branding imprint of that is a man. That is masculinity. That it, That is what it is to be a man, right? So when you're a kid, if you don't measure up to his standards, he's not interested in you, he doesn't care or anything like that. And I mean, I read my father's entire biography. I showed up, I think, twice uh, in passing and this thing went on for quite a long while, right? So I just... I didn't, I didn't show up for him in, in his life. I didn't, um, I didn't impact on his consciousness. Now, my dad was other side of the world for most of my childhood. So it's sort of a different matter with him being under the same roof, but who is the man? Because if you're quite different from your father and in my mind, a vast improvement, but if you're quite different from your father, then who's the man and what is masculinity and what is manhood? Because if the big towering man god in your life rejects you, uh, you you got a problem. You've got a problem and you have an opportunity. But it's like, okay, so with my father and I, okay, which one is the man? Which one? Who, who's the man? I know that sounds kind of like, ooh, the man, right? But, <laughs> who, but it's, a, it's an important question, right? Because if he's, if he's masculine, if he's the man, then what the hell are you, right? Oh well, I can only I can only be myself by being less masculine. 
And this is where you get a lot of this, oh, toxic masculinity. And it's like, well, there's just a lot of asshole dads out there mm-hmm. whose sons have to say, well, I have to have a different kind of masculinity. And, and But fundamentally, unless you deal with it psychologically, you just end up feeling less masculine. It's where the soy boy – I'm not putting you in this category, obviously. I'm just saying that in, as a cultural phenomenon in general, it's where those big gap-toothed, low-T soy boys come from. It's like, well, my dad was, was this way, and I don't want to be this way, so I'll just be – more sensitive, more of a feminist, less masculine, and so on. If you haven't solved the problem, who is the man? Is yeah. my father the man, or am I the man? What is masculinity? Right? And these these are very, very big and deep questions. And the fact that they're coming up from for you when you're considering being a father is not accidental, yeah. in my opinion. So what is a man? Was your father a man? Was he masculine? Was he masculinity? Who were you relative to that? These are very, very important questions for men, particularly young men, to answer. So was he the man? Were you rejected by masculinity? What does masculinity or manhood mean to you both then and now? I know these are big questions, but you know, just tell me tell me what you think of this this line of approach. Well, yeah, I mean, that is that is the case as well. Where like, I I I I pretty much sort of want to to be like the opposite of him. Like, I pretty much want to be. I want to be everything that he's not. Um, you know, when I when I become a a father. Okay, so yeah, um, so but the opposite is not a thing, right? No, I know, I know, I know, but but I like I. It's a like reaction. I wanna, I, I, yeah, like I want to sort of feel like I want to give them all of the things that I didn't get from my dad. Okay, so. So then you have okay. No, we'll we'll get. Uh, sorry, I'll bookmark that in my head. I wanna because there's a lot in what you said. So you want to provide the opposite, right? Well, I just want to provide what what he didn't what he didn't provide to me. So, I didn't. give me the major things that he didn't provide to you. Um, well, the major thing, obviously, is just being engaged and interested in them, and you know, enjoying their enjoying their company. And also, the other major thing is um, stability in terms of you know, like just you know financial responsibility and, and stability so they don't have to to care or, or worry about you know about just the basic um you know the, the the basic financial stuff in the when they're younger like it's all sort of just you know it's it's taken care of when they're younger they um you know their parents will have will be financially stable and and have you know savings and everything like that so that they they won't have to have any any fears or anxiety about that so those those are kind of the the two those are the two major things and also uh, obviously as well having a strong relationship and a strong connection to my partner as well so that they can see a happy and like healthy and functional relationship when they grow up so that that's something to model for them as well because I didn't see that and so it was quite it's been quite difficult to um 
it's been, it, was, it was quite difficult for a while for me to kind of um, find out what like a, a relationship should be like. Oh, you mean like a romantic, a romantic relationship? relationship? Well, yeah, because the thing the thing that I had had modelled wasn't um, like it wasn't wasn't good at all, right? Like, oh no, no, I get I get all of that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. You you, you want something different than your parents' relationship, and in, in fact, in some ways, the opposite, right? Yeah, and also and also yeah for for the for the kids as well, so that they have you know something they have like a good model to kind of. Go off, you know. Okay, so three things are missing here for me. Doesn't mean they're missing in objectively. I'm just telling you my subjective what's missing for me. What's missing for me? Hurt, anger, and judgment. Right. Because it's sort of like, well, you know, my father took a left on this street. It turned out it didn't kind of get us where we wanted to go. So next time I do that journey, I'm just going to take a right. Like that's the level of emotional depth in what you're saying here. And again, yeah, not not a criticism. A I'm just saying that if you, if you really do want to change direction from your father, yep. you're going to need a little bit more weight in your assessment. There's no moral judgment here at all. Right? So, we need to yeah. we need to we need to look at that. And I can tell you why there's no moral judgment. Because your assessment of your father is messed up, man. Do you know what you said to me about your father and his current state of mind with his new partner? What did I say? You said my father is happy. He seems happy from the outside. No, well, okay. You said your father seems happy or is happy... Now, reason equals virtue equals happiness, right? Your father is not rational. Right. He was not virtuous. And again, I'm, I'm open to hearing this argument. If you ignore your children, if you yell verbal abuse at your children, if you drive your wife away, and you end up with a woman who can watch you verbally abuse his son and not say anything to anyone and not stand up and not push back a fucking dishrag of a non-entity human being. You tell me how the accumulation of all of that intergalactic assholery results in someone being happy. Because, you see, if you define your father as happy and you're going to do the opposite of your father... Where are you going to end up? Are you going yeah. to end up happy? No. Okay. So you, and that's where your anxiety is coming from. Is you say, well, Dad, you know, he is who he is, and he did these things, but he's pretty happy. So what you're saying is, yeah, you can be. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll be frank, right? You listen to the show for a while, and me telling you what I think is yeah. not what is. I'm just telling you what I think, so I could be totally wrong. Okay. Okay. Well. So. Not paying attention to your children is abusive. Neglecting your children is abusive. Verbally cursing, abusing, and swearing around your children is abusive. Telling your son, you're not going to be able to find a job, it's not going to be that easy, son, is abusive. 
telling your kids you either do it my way or you can fuck right off is totally abusive. Effing this and effing that in a restaurant, in public, and yelling at your kids is abusive. Making a toddler, sorry, making a cashier cry is abusive. And it's cowardly because, again, he didn't do a policeman. He didn't do it to teachers of yours. He didn't do it to the tax authorities. He didn't do it to anybody who had power over him. He didn't do it to the lawyers or his customers. So your father is not a man. Your father is not a man. Your father is an infant. Your father is an overgrown infant. And it's kind of an insult to infants because infants are supposed to be the way they are. He's having temper tantrums. Infants are profoundly selfish, right? They, they, if you catch them playing with something, I mean, you know, can you imagine if my daughter's like six months old and I say, hey, I'm working on this new book called On Truth, The Tyranny of Evolution. I'm going to read you some. I'd really like it if you could give me your feedback. And she's absorbed playing with some blocks or something like that. She's not going to look up, right? So that level of self-absorption and I'm only interested in my own thing that's a toddler. The, the level of, of yeah. rage and, and the lack of, of inhibition, and this is all a toddler. A toddler scri- cries and gets angry, and, right? And they don't, they don't have inhibitions. So to me, your father is a toddler, not a man, not masculine, not masculinity. And I don't take it personally when a toddler is not interested in what I'm doing because they're a toddler, Mm -hmm. and so I would never expect them to be interested in what I'm doing. Now, if what I'm doing is engaging and entertaining them, they'll be interested, right? Like if I'm making funny faces or telling a big story or, you know, dancing around to make them laugh or whatever, or helping build blocks with them or carrying something for them or bringing them food when they're hungry, then they'll be interested because it overlaps significantly with their preferences. But the idea that they would jump out of themselves and be interested in me for me's sake? I mean, my daughter's 12. She's not even there yet, right? And that's fine. It's, you know, she's getting there, being interested in me for my sake. When I play a song for her, she's still at the phase where she figures, she tries to say, she says to herself, do I like this song or do I not like this song? She doesn't say to herself, I wonder why my father likes this song or tell me, like, and that's fine. She's 12. She's not supposed to be there yet. She's still 10 years away mm. from brain maturity, Right. So your father's self-absorption is a toddler. It's a toddler. Now, unfortunately, he's a toddler with great authority over you. He's a toddler in a man's body. I assume he's not the smallest guy in the world if he's throwing his weight around like this. He's a toddler with a big, loud voice, and he's a toddler who holds the financial reins of the family. So a toddler also consumes now and doesn't save for the future, right? You give a kid... You know, say, here, here are your two cupcakes. A toddler eats how many cupcakes? You give him two, how many is he going to eat? Two. Yeah. Is he going to sit there and say, well, I might want a cupcake tomorrow? No, he's going to be like, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And one, one thing I just wanted to, other thing I wanted to mention is that I remember one other time as well when I was in high school and, um, the school was having some sort of event or whatever, and they, you know, needed some parents to to volunteer and, and to help with um with, with with something or something to do with it. I can't remember exactly what. And my mum asked my dad if he could um help as well, and he's just like, 
just like, oh, nah. And she's like, why not? And he said, oh, I'm not interested. Like, it's... There, there was yeah, he can only there. frame it in terms of himself, right? Yeah, like, he, did, he wouldn't ever think, like, it's not just about himself. Like, maybe, you know, there's things you need to do that that aren't just about yourself. Right. Or oh, there's things that you should do that aren't, aren't just about yourself. It's like he would never think to do something that's not about himself, right? Right. So that's a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, and, uh, and I, listen, your your lack of emotion here, again, I just want to sort of point it out. I'm not expecting you to magically be able to summon it, but it is something I'm noting, right? Like, you're very analytical, because you probably have associated emotions with your father. Like, my father gets really angry, he gets really upset, and those are emotions, and emotions are bad, and emotions are dangerous, and right, I have to keep a tight control over my emotions, otherwise I'm going to end up like my dad. It's like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it at all. So you're yeah, fu- I, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like I never really characterized him specifically as abusive, but yeah, now that now that now that I think about it, he he was like he 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 was abusive, and it's perfectly well. And the abuse. Sorry to interrupt, but the abuse that, that you're yeah. the abuse that you're identifying is like the verbal abuse and stuff like that. But the far more impactful yeah. abuse is the neglect. Yeah, yeah, that is. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it is perfectly justified that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Well, and that's, but that's not the issue that you're facing, right? That's not the issue that you're facing. The issue issue that you're facing is the anxiety, right? Right. 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 So, do you know where, I mean, now that we've ranged over this, this whole thing, do you know where that's coming from? Um, not, not entirely. Right. Not entirely. So you need to redefine manhood, masculinity, fatherhood, and all of that stuff, right? You can't be bouncing off. You can't be reacting. You have to redefine it from the ground up. And it has to be along moral lines. Your father owed you attention. You didn't have, you're not supposed to win his attention. You're not supposed to engage him. And it's like, well, you know, he wasn't just wasn't that interested in in what I had to say or what it is that I had to do. It's like that's that okay, so if if you have if you have a dog, right? And and you don't like dog food, does that mean that you don't have to feed the dog? No. Well, of course parents aren't interested in what their kids are doing because those kids are doing. I wouldn't be playing a couple of hours of Among Us. I wouldn't be going to to the the park to 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 sit on swings and chat and and jump around the monkey bars and go down slides and and race and and play. T- I, I, you know, we throw these paper, we throw these polystyrene air, air, airplanes around. I wouldn't be buying drones to fly around the backyard. I, I wouldn't be doing any of these things. Why? Because I'm fifty five years old and I, almost, and I wouldn't be doing any of these things. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't be doing any of these things. I wouldn't be sitting there playing with blocks when my daughter is two. No, I wouldn't be drawing outlines of coins on paper. I, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff because I'm an adult. But you don't do it because you care about the stuff itself. You do it because it's a way of engaging with your child. And that's what you want to do. And that's what you deserve. That's what the child needs and the child deserves. 
So it'd be like a dog owner. Well, you haven't fed your dog in a week. It's like, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't eat dog food. And be like, what are you talking about? Of course we know you don't eat dog food, but you've got a dog. You've kept it in your house. You owe the dog some dog food. So for your father, there was not an option for him to say, well, I'm just not that interested. I mean, of course he can do it in the same way you can say, well, I don't, I don't have to feed my dog because I don't like dog food. Right? Or, mm. you know, it'd be like it'd be like me saying my daughter let's say my daughter couldn't read right at the age of 12 right it'd be like me saying well of course i didn't teach my daughter to read i already know how to read of course i didn't go to a pediatrician i'm not a child it's like but you have a child and you owe the child that you owe the child that absolutely completely and totally you owe the child that it is a solemn foundational obligation you must be interested in what your child is doing. You must find a way to be interested because your primary interest is not the activity. The primary interest is your child. But you have to be not a selfish asshole in order to understand that, right? My primary interest is not playing among us. My primary interest is my daughter. And it's what she likes to do and what she's good at. And it gives her. it also gives her something she can teach me about. Because a lot of times, if you have interests different from your parent, your parent won't get interested because they're not the authority. And they like to stay in charge, and they like to be the one teaching you things. Whereas my daughter has sat down and taught mm. me quite a lot about Among mm. Us, because she's better at it than I am. She's got a great instinct and knack for it, so she's teaching me. So I get to learn from her, which gives her the experience of equalizing and leveling up and knowing that she has information that I don't have and that she can be a value to me as well as me being a value to her. I owe her that. In the same way that I owe food and, and shelter, you owe your children some kind of financial stability because you're not a fucking toddler who just spends, oh, oh, wait, there are taxes? Oh, my God. Oh, my, really? Holy crap. I mean, who could have guessed? Who could have known? It's not possible to know. So your father is a toddler. And he has to be around absent people because he has the narcissism of a toddler. And again, narcissism can't really be applied to a toddler. It's like calling a baby short or big-headed. It's just the developmental phase, right? Now, for whatever reason, your father chose not to get out of that developmental phase. He found it more comfortable to stay there. Again, I have no idea why I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to you. But the moral thing is, not, well, I just want to spend time and I want to be invested in my kids in the way that my father wasn't. I want to provide what wasn't provided. No. I don't want to be a selfish infant like my father. I don't want to be somebody who supplies chaos and uncertainty and stress to my family because I can't walk three feet to take a shit in the toilet so I take a shit in the hallway. Because I just, you know, like like toddlers do, right? When you're toilet training them, right? This is like your father with finances. Mm. I don't want to subject my family to me going to jail. So I won't blow all of my stupid money, but I'm going to hang on to it for the tax man because I'm not a fucking toddler. I'm not an infant. I'm not ridiculous. So if the, the, the passion... The passion that you lack, I think, is because passion is morality. Morality and passion are two sides of the same coin. 
And so if you can't morally judge your father, you can't be passionate about it, passionate about your change. And it'll always be like, well, he chose to go left. I would rather choose to go right. That's not going to give you enough energy to make the transition because I'm here for your future kids. I'm here for you now and here for your future kids. And your future kids are going to need you to completely commit to the change that you want to achieve. And that change cannot be committed to if you don't have the passion and you won't have the passion if it's simply a matter of aesthetics. Well, my father raised his voice. I don't want to raise my voice. My father used this language. I don't want to use this language. My father didn't pay me much attention. I want to pay more attention. This is not a matter of aesthetics. This is not a matter of personal choice or or habit or, yeah, my father was a bit of a bully. I don't want to be as much of a bully. I'm like, I get, but I don't want to be selfish. And I don't want to be selfish because I owe my children that. And because I want to have a good relationship with my children so that I end up happy. But if you've given the happiness award to your father, despite his behavior, then the whole process becomes incomprehensible. You say, well, why would I want to give in- interest to my kids? Well, it didn't, I didn't like it when my father didn't pay attention to me, so I want to give that to my kids. But that's, that's, um, that's hedonistic. Well, I didn't like it, so I'm going to provide it to my kids, as opposed to, no, 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 it's the wrong thing to do, to withhold attention from your kids. And if you say, well, I didn't like it when my father didn't pay attention to me, so I'm going to pay attention to my kids, you're still basing it off emotion rather than moral judgment. And simply playing it off emotion, you're going to be like your dad. Your dad just, well, you know, I don't like it when I pay attention to my kids, so I won't do it. I find it boring when I pay it. And you say, well, I didn't like it, so I will do it. It's, just, it's the same mechanism. It's just emotions. It's still hedonistic. It's not moral. Your father did the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Your father did very bad things. He was abusive. He was neglectful. He was unstable. He almost got himself thrown in jail while he was the primary provider for the family. How well do you think he'd be able to continue working in law if he got himself thrown in jail? He almost wrecked his entire career. Why? Because he wanted to buy a laptop or whatever the hell he spent his money on that he owed to the tax department? That's an infant. You don't want to be an infant. You want to be a grown-up man. You don't want to be a toddler. You don't want to be a fool, an idiot. You want to be a grown-up man who provides for his family and is capable of adult love. Your father is a selfish, self-absorbed, bullying toddler. He's not a man. He's not a man. He's not masculine. He's not a man. He barely made it out of diapers, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, he's not, he's not happy. Back. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I always held back on, like, uh, I always sort of held back on, on defining him as, as abusive. But, yeah, I mean, he, by all accounts, he, he was. So, yeah, like. Well, and is, and is, and is, and is. Yeah, it is. Because every day, every day he doesn't call you and say, oh, man, oh, son, I have been, oh, I can't sleep. I've I've just been tossing and turning, and I I just feel so bad about what I said to your sister, like the F-bombs. I feel so bad about what I said to you in the restaurant. It was so wrong of me to do that especially you you know you were in in the country you flew out in part to see me i feel bad that i flew to australia and didn't even bother to check in with you guys face to face i just 
I don't know if it's getting older. I, I mean, and this is a terrible thing because now, you, oh my God, my dad has a conscience and he's feeling bad, And but I am. I'm sorry it didn't strike me before. I'm so sorry beyond words that it didn't strike me before. Every single day he doesn't make that call to you, he's continuing to abuse you. It's not in the past, you understand? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. in the present and for the next 20 or 30 years probably. I don't, yeah, I don't think of it like that. But it's true, yeah, right? The calls that yeah, don't come are the ones that hurt the most. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's <laughs> and it's it's never going to come. That's that call's never going to come from him. That's. You know what? We're going to have to uh, take a short pause and start again because um, this uh, stupid app gives me two hours. So could you uh, hang okay, tight? Um, we'll be back. We got another ten minutes or so to go, if that's right with you. So can you just give me a second and come back? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll come back in one minute. Yeah, okay, hang on. I'll uh, just uh, end this, and sorry to everyone here, I'll end, and uh, we'll just uh, have to start again. And normally I can do it in two, but I did a few minutes at the beginning, so hang tight. All right, so uh, hang tight. We're just coming back in here. And uh, we'll just wait for him to come back in, finish up here. Yeah, it's really, really important to define things. I view myself as a realized, fully realized, or at least fairly fully realized adult male. And uh, I view my father, who raised me, as a toddler, as uh, kind of selfish, as kind of random, as uh, somebody who just never quite got around to growing up and did not end up, uh, he did not end up happy. And uh, it's a real shame. I think it's very sad that he didn't, but um, I, I can't force people to grow up. I can't force people to take responsibility or to become mature or to be honest or anything like that, right? So, yeah, I just wanted to sort of point that out, that how you deal with being rejected is really, really important. See, you don't take it personally when a toddler rejects you. I mean, a sane person, right? A mature person doesn't take it personally when a toddler when a toddler rejects you, right? Now, when you start to take it a little bit more personally when you get rejected, that's when your child is growing up and you have a reasonable responsibility to provide them decent standards and reasonable behavior and, and being polite and all, all of that, right? But I remember, oh gosh, when my daughter was little, not, not I guess it wasn't even that long ago, I played to her a movie that I liked when I was younger called um, The Princess Bride, with Carrie Elwes and Mandy Patinkin and, oh gosh, um, that woman from the Kevin Spacey political drama. I can't remember her name. And Carrie Elwes had magnificent hair. It's one of the things I remember <laughs> about that show. And what happened was my daughter uh, really did not like the movie. Now, I thought she might like it because, you know, we did a, a, a sort of a bit of fantasy uh, stuff, uh, sword and sorcery stuff. I told her a bit of the story of Lord of the Rings, which she enjoyed. So I thought my daughter would like the movie. And boy, did she ever hate it. I mean, she really, really, really didn't like the movie at all. In fact, we played, I don't know, 20 minutes of whatever. And I, you know, she wasn't really enjoying it. I said, well, you know, we'll take a break. We'll try tomorrow. And the next day I tried to put the movie on. She literally burst into tears. She just didn't like the movie <laughs> to that point, right? And... Did I sit there and say, oh, my God, I'm so rejected? It's like, no, she doesn't like the movie, right? She's allowed to have her own opinion. She's allowed to have uh, differences of, of aesthetic tastes and all of that. So if a toddler rejects you 
and you're a reasonably mature person, uh, you know, their their brain is is too young to process that. You know, maybe give it a little bit more time, and it's important to expose yourself to new things and and so on, right? So, the reason I'm saying is, how do you overcome being rejected by your father? If he was a good father, he wouldn't have rejected you. If he was a man, then he would have protected his uh, children, right? Now, protecting your children means that you show an interest in them, that you take care of them, that you build their self-esteem, that you help them understand that they're a value and that they're interesting and that they're cool and that they're fun. My daughter is so fun and so much fun, and she's she's just cool. She's really, really cool and she's very funny and and caustic at times but just in the right way that's enjoyable not like in that way that leaves you like oh whoa what was that right and she's just really cool and the things that she's interested the things that she's into are just fantastic and and i just i relish her company i i love this this phase i've loved all the phases of parenthood and and this phase in particular Uh, i just really adore it so as as a man as a father as an adult you, you take care of the people who depend upon you. you. You protect them and you take care of them. Whereas if you are a selfish toddler in a man's body, then you only care about your own thoughts, your own feelings, and you view them as kind of inanimate objects that you just thump if they don't give you what you want. So my father and I never saw eye to eye. We never were in sync. We like never, even even a tiny bit. He was always super awkward around me. He wasn't that way with other family members, my brother really, but around me, it just just super awkward. I mean, just felt very self conscious, and we just were never in. I actually, I've had the thoughts over the years that I'm not actually his son. <laughs> Be honest, I've had the thoughts over the years. Occasionally, it's like, oh, I wonder who my mom did sleep with. Because we really couldn't be further apart in looks or temperament or anything like that. But, of course, it was his job to try and find a way to bridge that gap and blah, 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 right? So, having been rejected uh, by my father, and my father was not harsh in this kind of way. He didn't, like, yell at me. I mean... As I said before, when I went to visit him when I was 15 or so, he would he, he, he sent me up to scrape his roof, to sand down his roof and paint the roof of his garage in the blinding hot African sun for day after day after day, which was not... And he, he did give me a radio up there. I remember listening to Joan Jett's Crimson and Clover up there and really liking the song quite a bit, just as I remember being... Oh, I just thought of this today for some reason. I remember listening to Brian Ferry's More Than This, or I guess Roxy Music's More Than This. Great great album Avalon um I'd do anything to turn you on it's a great song I love that line is it raining in New York down Fifth Avenue out on Broadway after dark love the lights don't you it's it's beautiful he sings it beautifully and it's really really well done but I remember listening to that in a planter shop in oh and also actually I just played this to my daughter today the opening uh, Alan Parsons project it usually is the it's the opening to Eye in the Sky but the song is actually called Sirius it's like two minutes S-I-R-I-U-S you can find it on YouTube or YouTube Music or Amazon Music or whatever you listen to honestly just put it on headphones it's really hypnotic and I remember hearing that in a supermarket 
that song in a supermarket in Africa when I was 15. I was like, oh man, what an amazing piece of music. Mike Batt's Tara Sweet's also great. It's in the same sort of genre. But anyway, so how do you get over being rejected by your father? Well, if you look up to him as, as masculine and, 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 and manly and, and an authority figure and so on, then being rejected makes you feel like crap. And that's what his narcissism and his vanity wants you to do, right? Because you look up to him and he feels like the big man on campus, right? But for me, it was just like, well, you know, my dad just never grew up. And he never did. For me, maybe he did it for others, but he never did for me what a man is supposed to do, which is to keep his children safe. I mean, he never did with me, right? I mean, he certainly didn't keep me safe with regards to leaving me and going to the other side of the world, leaving me with a violent mother and so on, right? He just didn't keep me safe. So these are some basic questions, right? Did my father keep me safe? Well, no. He didn't keep me safe from others, and he didn't keep me safe from himself. Okay, so he failed at the basic job of a man. I'm not even of a father, right? But just the basic job of a man is to protect the people you care about. And you don't have to be a father to do this. It could be your girlfriend. It could be um, it could be your Alzheimer-ridden father who might be bullied in an old age home. It, it could be kids in the neighborhood. It could be some cashier being bullied by some infant in a man's body. But the primary job of a man is to take care uh, and to protect those he cares about. And part of that protection is just keeping them safe. And part of that protection is uh, some financial stability or some stability of mood and so on. So this is, you have to define what masculinity and manhood is, adulthood is for a man. What is it? It has to be protected because that's what we do. That's why we're bigger. It's why we have 40% more body strength. It's why we're not debilitated by childbirth. It's so we can be there to guard the perimeter and protect those we care about. That's what we do. That's our job, right? So when you're a kid, did you have a father who was a man? Did you have a father who was masculine? Well, first thing is, did you feel safe, respected, and protected? Did he prepare you for adulthood by bringing a strong foundation of security for you to go out into the world and have that inestimable benefit, right? What's, what's, what's real privilege? Real privilege is just being loved and respected and protected as, as a child. And that's, that's what it's all about, right? So was your father a man? Did he provide stability and protection for those he cared about? Well, no. Your mother didn't feel protected around him. You didn't feel protected around him. He protected your sister so little that she developed OCD in particular after he may have verbally eviscerated her before you guys left to go to Australia from New Zealand, right? So were you rejected by your father? No. See, my father, my father, did not think about me enough to reject me. He avoided me because he felt awkward around me and bad people or immature people or childish people, they do feel nervous around me because I kind of tell it how it is, right? I kind of tell it how it is, at least for me. I don't make any claims to omniscient truth, but I will certainly be honest as I have in this conversation about my thoughts and feelings. So because I was going to be honest, uh, because I was going to be direct, I was like a... Uh, a, a random bomb uh, to to my dad, right? Because I could make him, I guess, feel bad by being honest with him at any particular time, and he had a great susceptibility to feeling bad and all of that. So, so of course, he's going to feel awkward around me because I kind of held his happiness in my 
hands. And if I chose to speak up, his happiness could be, you know, tsunamied like a sandcastle on the beach, just tsunamied out of existence. So, of course, he's going to be kind of tense around me, right? Because I hold the bomb of, of truth and it could go off at any time as it's been going off for 16 years here on the internet and before that even in my private life, right? So my father didn't, didn't know me enough to reject me, right? In the same way that when I showed the Princess Bride to my daughter when she was younger, she didn't reject me because the only thing she could process was, do I like this movie or not? Not like, well, I don't particularly like it, but my father really seems to like it, so I really need to step out of myself and figure out what's important to him, like, because that's an adult. If she could do that, I wouldn't be her father in the same way anymore, and so that's part of the education. And she will do that over time, and she's starting to do it now, because she knows that I jump out of what I want to do in the moment to make sure that she's happy, and I'm, I'm fulfilling my obligations and responsibilities as a man, as a father. And one of the reasons why fatherhood is in such crisis in the West is that the government is, you know, continually importing dangerous people and causing and withdrawing police protection to the point. And and then actually, I mean, in England, men, I think white men and and Sikh men whose children had been kidnapped by these, uh, the Muslim Pakistani immigrants had been kidnapped and, and were being used as sex objects as children. Uh, the, the police would come and arrest the fathers trying to rescue their own children, right? So you, 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 you can't, like, you actually go to jail for trying to protect your family. It's one of the reasons why masculinity is facing such a crisis is we're, how well are we allowed to protect our own families these days? Well, we can actually be arrested for trying to, uh, to do so, right? How, how, for the men who have skepticism about the efficacy and safety of the COVID vaccines and they're out there trying to protect their families and protect other people's families by telling the truth, well, you can get... I mean, Brett Weinstein got a uh, a strike, a, a one out of three YouTube strike for one of his videos. Goes against community stand. Like, you can't even protect. Yeah, you can't protect. What if you think, oh, it's not necessarily great. I'm going to wait for the COVID vaccine, you know, more data. It wasn't really tested on kids or anything like that. It's getting, nope. Well, you can get in real trouble for that, right? And certain, if you want to travel or whatever, right? So, yeah, it's it's how well are we able to protect our own kids, our own society, our own families? We, it's kind of what we do, right? It's what we do as men. It's what we do as fathers. So the fact that your sister ended up in a mental hospital, the fact that you have this intermittent, pretty significant and severe anxiety is because your father was not a father. Your father was not a man. Uh, your father was a toddler. He was a selfish infant. And you actually want to be a father. Saying, I want to be a different father implies that your father was a father. I know it's kind of a brain twisty, language twisty way to do it. Saying, so, well, I want to be, I mean, if your father was a murderer, let's take a ex- really extreme example. If you say, well, my father was a murderer, but I want to be a different murderer. I want to be a different kind of murderer. That wouldn't make any sense. You don't want to be a different kind of father. You just want to be a father, which your f- dad was not. Your sperm donor was not in the way that I sort of view it. So it's not like he le- he went left and you went, you want to go right. It wasn't, well, you know, he didn't pay us enough attention. I want to pay my kids more attention. It's like, no, I actually want to be a father. My father was not my father. And I remember this in boarding school. Saturday mornings, I would get a haircut. And then they would sit down and I would have to write to my mother and I would write to my father. 
And to my mother, I would write, dear mother, and I'd use her, uh, mother. To my father, I would write, dear, and I would use his first name. And they were like, no, you, you have to write, dear father. And I said, but he's not my father. And he's like, no, he is your father. It's like, he's in Africa. No, no, but he is your father. I'm like, no, he's not. Like, I genuinely was like, I don't understand what this means. Right? Parent is a verb, not a noun. He's not, he's not fathering me, so he's not my father. He's not parenting me, so he's not my parent. I mean, he's some guy who impregnated my mom. I understood that enough. But I would write to him, dear, and I would just use his first name. And they, I, we can't mail this because you're not referring to him as your father. But he's not fathering me. He's not parenting me. So how could he be my parent? And your father did not parent you, as far as I can tell. He ignored you. He, you know, maybe when your interests would coincide on those rare occasions, he would. But that's not, you know, that's not parenting. So you don't want to parent differently. You want to be a parent. You don't want to be a different kind of father. You want to be a father, which your sperm donor was not. So I hope that makes, you know, so you're not, you're not rejected by an adult who assessed you. You were rejected by a child, a toddler, who couldn't possibly, I mean, at this point, right? I mean, a toddler genuinely can't. Obviously, your father could have if he'd wanted to. So you're not rejected. You're not scorned. Were you abused? Yeah. And the first job of the father, don't abuse your kids. Don't neglect your kids. Raise them to be strong, healthy, independent, think for themselves, having a secure sense of their own value. Be there for them because that's going to make you happy and it's the right thing to do, which really is the same thing. Doing the right thing and being happy is the same thing. And I say this to all the people out there, all the listeners out there. You're rejected by your father, you're rejected by your mother. Then they are not, in any moral sense, your mother or your father, because their first job is to accept you and to love you and to take interest in you and to help you understand yourself and to model good behavior. That's parenting. Just being in the same room and feeding you, who gives a shit about that? That's like saying, well, my prison guard was actually my father because he put a roof over my head and he fed me food and gave me health care. So my prison guard is my father. No, just parenting is an active moral process of the transfer of values and of value itself to the child. And if that's not going on, it's not any kind of parenting as far as any philosophical definition would occur. So that's, I think, the level that you need to operate at. Because right now, I think that there's tension. Because there is a moral gap between what you want to become and what your father did. But I don't think you're aware of that. And because you're not aware of it, you're not going to make enough of a change and therefore you're anxious about fatherhood to come. Because you're not rooted deeply in, I want to be a father. I was not parented. I was not fathered. And I want to provide that. Because you, you're like, you got these details. Like, well, I want to provide more attention to my kids than I got for myself. I want to provide more security than I got myself. It's like, no, no, no. I actually want to provide fatherhood and parenting to my children, which my father did not do. 
I want you father as a noun, not just as a sperm donor and a verb and a guy under the same house and a guy who pays the bills. And and if you have that gap analysis and you have that goal, then you have... And listen, I've made this journey, right? I've made this journey. So I'm, I'm, this is like bitter, hard-won knowledge. Doesn't mean I'm right, right? I, I, but it, it is bitter, hard-won knowledge from how much it takes to turn this around. I'm not just, well, I want to parent differently than my parents did. It's like my parents weren't parents. They were toddlers in charge of me. They weren't parents, the only time they ever took any interest was when their preferences overlapped with mine. Which is like saying some guy you're in the same tennis club with is your brother. It's like, no, he's just you both like to play tennis, right? So my mom liked to play tennis, I like to play tennis, so sometimes we'd play tennis together. That's that's about it. My you know, I like to write novels. My my grandfather was a novel writer and my Mom took some interest in that because it overlapped with her ambitions as well. She wanted to write books. But there was never any interest in anything that I was interested in because I was interested in it. Because it didn't interest them, they had no interest in it, which meant that they weren't interested in me, which meant they didn't care about me, which meant they weren't my parents. Because the category of parent can't include me and my father. It just can't. Because it's complete opposites. It's like including in the category murderer people who kill people and people who save people. Parenting is something you do. It's not something you squirt into and pay for. Parenting is the continual action of raising your children as strong, healthy, independent, clear-thinking human beings. And that's a huge time investment. And it pays off in spades, in joy, in love, in connection, in attachment. And you want to provide that to your kids? Fantastic. I think that's the greatest thing in the universe to do. You want to provide that to your kids, but your gap analysis is like 1% of where it needs to be. In my humble opinion, your gap analysis is 1% of what it needs to be. You got to widen that. Otherwise, you'll say, well, my father went left. I'm going to try and go left. Maybe I'll just go left-ish because I kind of want to make a few tweaks along the way. And I'm diminishing a little what you're saying. I know you're not just talking about tweaks. But if you have an understanding that you're actually going to try and be a man, you're going to try and be a father, and you will achieve it. I have no doubt of it. If you have the right amount of gap analysis, right? If you know you've got to go in the opposite direction, you can actually achieve there. If you think you've got to tweak what came before, you're just going to go in the same direction but just make your own mistakes where, where your father made his. But you you're probably the first man in several generations or many generations or maybe forever who's actually going to be a father. And that is going to bring you to happiness, to closeness with your kids, to a sense of satisfaction and self-respect at the job you're doing. And if you think your father can get one iota of happiness over having half-wrecked the lives of two brilliant children... Man, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong about that. There's no way he's happy. He probably puts on some bullshit. But you look at the woman he's with. He had to take an empty sock puppet who can't even stand up for an abused child. No, that's not not happiness. That's not happiness. 
That's just the weird saggy contentment that comes from not being challenged. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, and I, I haven't actually like really been um, just sort of straight up and honest to them about any of this as well. So, yeah, that's 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 something else that I kind of know in the back of my mind is is necessary, but I I haven't I haven't done up to this point. Well, and this is sort of why I do say, and you, listen, you don't have to do anything, right? I mean, it's the joy of philosophy is if you have enough self knowledge, you can do whatever the hell you want. And it's going to be fun if you're honest enough with yourself and with others. It's fine, right? But the reason why I think it's important is if you try to make yourself real to your father, like if you go up and you say, honestly, your experience of, of him as, as a dad and, and growing up and all of that, and, and what's happened since, right? If you go up and you're just honest, you say, okay, can I, can I actually be in the same room as my father? Can I, can I actually be in the same room as my father? That's a, that's a big-ass question, man. Mm-hmm. Can I actually be present? In, can my father have two people in the same room? Or is it like him and his sock puppets? Is it just him and his narcissistic projections? Can he actually have someone else in the same room? Who And you know how you know there's someone else in the same room is that they disagree with you right? a, a lot of times, right? I mean, you think of a conversation. A conversation is two people disagreeing all the time, in a way, right? Otherwise, it would be you and I saying exactly the same words at the same time, right? So we have to both listen and speak, and and there's disagreement, and and that's right. That's exactly what a conversation and relationship is, right? Not moral disagreement, but at least disagreement in syntax and speaking. So you go and talk to your dad about these things, or you do it on the phone or however it works, right? And you see, okay. You actually experience being rejected by your father probably for the first time since you were a toddler, right? So you go, okay, what's it like for me to actually show up in a relationship with my parent or whoever you're having difficulties with in your relationships? What is it like for me to show up in this relationship to just be myself and be in this conversation? Now then, if your father, and I assume it would happen, that he would viciously reject, swear at you, slam the phone down, you say, ah, okay, So my father had the opportunity to learn something about who I am, and he ran away. Why? Because he's a toddler and a coward. He's like a fucking puppy with the vacuum cleaner. You turn it on, the puppy runs away. (laughs) Right? I'm serious about that. I know he's a big, imposing guy, I'm sure. Certainly was when you were a kid, right? But he's... Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. He's a toddler. He's a puppy. He's a kitten. He's an infant. You never listen. Yeah. This is a tip in life as a whole, and then I'll shut up in a sec. So I appreciate your patience with this. But this is a tip in life as a whole. Scan the people around you, and you can scan yourself too, and say, okay, where did they get stuck? Where did they stop growing? Where did they stop growing? I, I had a conversation. I can't even remember if I published it yet, but it was some guy who got involved with a girl who was an adult, but she'd started drinking when she was like twelve or thirteen. Like heavily, right? And I said, oh, okay, so she must have the emotional development of like a 12-year-old. And he's like, holy crap, that's right. I'm like, well, yeah. Because when you find some convenient way of avoiding growth and avoiding self-confrontation and avoiding pain, you stop growing. So your dad stopped when he was a toddler. He stopped growing when he was a toddler. And you can see this all over the place. You can have a look at everyone in your life. And it would be really, we'd be so convenient if we'd see two numbers on people's foreheads, right? Number one, IQ. 
that would just make things so easy, right? You see all the people rioting and you see 85 IQ. It's like, okay, well, that helps, right? It's a little, that's why, that's why they're rioting, right? Um, so you see the IQ on, on the left-hand side of the forehead and on the right-hand side of the forehead, here's where, emotion, here's where my emotional development stopped. Those would be oh, two well, very yeah. helpful numbers to have. And you can do this in your own mind with the people in your life, and you can do it with yourself as well. I mean, maybe not the IQ thing, but you can certainly look around your life and say, okay, well, where did, where did their emotional life stop? Where did their emotional growth stop? Where are they right now? My mom was about three. My dad was maybe uh, six or seven. That's where it stopped. And with your dad, yeah, probably two to three years old because that's the toddler blow-up tantrum phase, right? And whatever happened to him and whatever choices he made afterwards, that that's where he got stuck. But you tell me that somebody who hasn't had emotional growth in half a century and is still using the same bullshit tactics of a toddler when he's in his 50s, you tell me how that person could be happy, I'll tell you someone's not right, and that would be you. But sorry, go ahead. I'll shut up now, so tell me what you think. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I guess it feels like mine would have prob probably been sort of stunted or really slowed down or stopped when I was a, a teenager because I'm, I still sort of feel at that, um, like, not quite adult sort of phase with when it comes to the anxiety and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, that's sort of where I feel I'm at. And this means that, the, yeah, yeah, so if you stay stuck there, it means that the anxiety is going to increase yeah. because there's that rubber band that stretches, right? So if you get, you got yes. stuck sort of 15, 16, 17, as your parents' marriage was disintegrating or whatever, right? So you get stuck there, now you're 10 years past that, and, and if you can't get yourself to catch up, then it's going to get progressively tougher going forward, and that may be where some of the anxiety is coming from. Yeah, and it, and it tends to sort of um, trigger when I'm having like increasing success, sort of, because... Like your dad, right? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so because when, I, when I've, like, the more um, successful I become, there's the, it kind of triggers that... It kind of it triggers that that anxiety um, because there is the there is a, a a fear of what's ahead, sort of. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this is kind of where you started from. So if if yeah. you have time, can we just spend another ten minutes on something? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Because we're back to sort of uh, success anxiety, which is kind of where we started. But I, I've spent a lot of stuff. I've said a lot of stuff since then. Yeah, yeah. So I think your dad is blocking your inner dad is blocking this conversation about him and turning us back to the origin story of the conversation, which had less to do with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's try this uh, with your indulgence. So you just pretend to be your dad, if you don't mind. You know these role plays, right? So you just pretend to be your dad. Yeah. Uh, call you up, right? You, and I say, I won't do your accent, right? Even though I'm a bit of an accent whore, but I won't do your accent. I say, dad, dad, dad. <laughs> so dad, you know, like the way things left with us, that restaurant, that, you know, ugly restaurant scene. I, it's been bothering me. I've been thinking about it a lot since then. And to me, it's like, it's kind of part of a bigger pattern with us. Like, like you know, you you would raise your voice, did swearing, you swore at this, you know, like your daughter, and said, you know, if you can't, you guys can't handle it, you can all just fuck off, you know, and I, that bothers me, I don't, that's like, that's not right, and and I'm thinking also, like, when I was a kid, 
you really didn't really take any interest in in what I did. We didn't really do much together. Like, there's something not right in in all of this, and and it just feels like you know you you came to visit Australia, didn't even come to see us. I mean, I know you got your issues with mom and all of that, but you know we're still your kids, right, sis and me. Like, this is not right, is it? I mean. What what do you think? I mean, the swelling, the yelling, yelling and and swearing. And I remember you telling me when I was going to Australia, "Oh, you're not going to find a job, son." I mean, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem good. What do you think? Oh well, you know, um, you know, well, you know, I I tried to I tried to to engage you, but you know, we just we just weren't interested in the same we just weren't interested in the same things, and uh, uh, your 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 um your mother was too uh, too overbearing, so you know, I didn't really uh, I didn't really get a chance or a or an opportunity, and then she you know she she took you. She took you guys away to another country. Well, hang on, Dad, Dad. Look, I'm sorry to interrupt because I just asked you a question, but cut the shit, Dad. Seriously. Are you going to sit there, go all rubber bones on me and say that for 17 years you never had the opportunity to try and figure out what I was interested in and meet me there? Because, you know, saying, well, we just didn't overlap in our interests, like you're the father, right? You're not just supposed to, hey, I hope my kids and I are all interested in the same thing so we can get along. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, isn't it your job as a dad to get interested in the stuff that I'm interested in? Yeah, look, I haven't actually had this conversation with him, so I don't actually have a good. I, I don't have a. I don't have a. I don't have an answer. Yeah. Well, um, I could tell you what his strategies would be. His strategy, so most people, if they're kind of selfish or narcissistic, when they get confronted, they jump out of the conversation. Where is this coming from? Who have you been talking to? What books have you been reading? Is it that podcast? Is that that Canadian guy? Like, where is all this? Is this coming from your mom? Where where is this coming? What are you you talking about? What's all of this all of a sudden? Yeah, Yeah, what's all this all of a sudden? Where's this all coming from? I had my stressors. I had my problems. Yeah, you and I, you know, I had to work. I had to go and live in the town. Uh, I can't spend my entire life staring at some kid's Lego and pretending to be fascinated. I had my own troubles. I had my troubles with the government. I had troubles with the tax agency. I was threatened with jail. And now you're saying, well, but dad, you didn't play Minecraft with me enough. It's like, hello, I'm putting food on the table and trying to stay out of prison. Through no fault of my own, I might add, I, I tried to obey the law. And yeah, there, there were some challenges. Guess what, kid? Life is tough. Life is tough, and you saw me handle it. I expect you to handle it too. I don't know, just yeah, stuff like always, that, right? He would always sort of, he, he would always sort of try to, um, to to put anything, like put everything on my mum, sort of, um, like oh well, she must have, she must have been saying things to you. She must have set you against me, blah blah blah. Well, and that, so I, I can try both sides here, right? Okay, so. So he yeah. would he would try and frame it to jump out of the conversation and try and say because he'd need to know the origin story of the conversation as a way of avoiding the actual content, right? And say, oh, did your mom put you up to this? It's like, dad, can you just answer my question? 
no, I, I'm not going to answer your question until I know where the hell this is coming from. Why would it matter? What would it matter if mom told me or a hand puppet told me or space aliens told me or I saw it written on a fucking wall? These are honest questions that I have about you as a parent and criticisms, to be honest, about it, right? Well, I just need to know where this is going. No, you don't need to know where this is coming from. Because now you're trying to distract me or drag me away from these actual questions into some weird origin story. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What I do expect and what you owe me as my father is some honesty and some answers to the questions that I have. Fine. He'd say, fine, go ahead. Ask your questions, I'll answer, right? Thus indicating that he's totally throwing his arms, like folding his arms and he's not going to push back, right? He's not going to give you the answers that you want. You say, okay, what, was, what, were your, what were your issues? What were your questions again then, right? Thus indicating it doesn't matter to him and he's listened so little that you have to repeat them, which is a form of humiliation, right? So this would be the kind of stuff, right? So, yep. so then you would patiently repeat the questions, say, well, so for instance, uh, what were you doing swearing? Uh, at me in the restaurant. Well, Christ, son, I'm here with my new girlfriend. You know, I was sick. I had lymphoma. I could still be sick. I've got chemo going ahead. And this is her first introduction to my family. And you just sitting there stuffing your face. You got fucking butter all over your lips and your and your, your chin. And um, basically, I might as well be sitting across from a bonobo. I might, be, I might as well be sitting across from a monkey. You can't even show me the basic respect of having some decent table manners when you're meeting my girlfriend for the first time. So, yeah, I, I, I told you pretty bluntly and pretty directly how unhappy I was with all of that. Oh, but I thought you were all about expressing feelings. Isn't that what this conversation is all about, that I'm just supposed to – we're supposed to express our feelings. Well, there I was expressing my feelings, and now I'm a bad guy. So which is it? Do you want people to express their feelings or not? I don't know. There's probably not anything close, but something like that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That seems like it could. could okay, so then way. you'd say, okay, so Dad, you know, you you swore at me, right, in public. I mean, you you, you just f bombed. Well, I was frustrated. It's like, but that's not an excuse. I mean, you're a grown ass man. You're, if you're trying to say to me, Dad, oh, well, I was frustrated, therefore I lobbed F-bombs around. Quick question, oh, Father. Quick question. Why didn't you lob F-bombs at the government when they threatened to throw you in jail over the 20,000? Well, that's a totally different situation. Yes, you're right. It is a situation where someone had power over you and therefore you were perfectly polite. But you as my father have a lot of power over me. So if I don't do something that you want, you launch F-bombs at me. Do you know, I remember when I was a little kid, I remember you made a cashier, this woman, a girl, I think it was, a young woman, you made her cry because they didn't have something in stock. Oh, Christ. What? Are we going back? What? Was that 20 years now? Is this, are we march? Oh, you sound just like your mother. Oh, I remember this thing that happened 20 years. First of all, you were a kid. You don't remember that well. You don't remember it that well. I don't even remember it that well. It's such an unimportant. But you've you've you, this is you've held on to you held on to this for like twenty years now. Twenty years, you know. I got mad at some cashier and she burst into tears because she was on her period, and and you're just sitting here like you're bringing the dredge. This is this where we are. You're dredging this up there. That's older than the Titanic, for God's sakes. That's all. That's all you got. That twenty years ago, some woman got upset because I was I got bad customer service and didn't sit for it. Didn't didn't. 
Come on. I mean, what? What? Are you on medication? Did you hit your head? Like, it's what? 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 What is going on? I don't know. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. To which you say, "Okay, let me give you a challenge, Dad. Tell me a time that you remember where you weren't interested in something that I was doing, but you sat down and tried to learn it anyway." Oh, Christ, I can't be expected to remember every single detail of, of parenting that happened over the last 25 years, for God's sakes. I mean, I'm, it, it happened, uh, but you can't expect me to dredge up every every little thing. It's like, Dad, I'm not asking you to dredge up every little thing. I'm just asking you for one example where I was interested in something that didn't appeal to you immediately. You know, because when I was a kid, right, I didn't like new food. Right. I was better than sis because she hated new food, but I, I didn't like new food. I liked the familiar stuff, right? And what did you always say to me? Try something new for Christ's sake. Stop being so fussy, right? And so that by that logic, you should have wanted to try things I was interested in just because, you know, try something new, don't be so fussy. But I'm I'm racking my brain and I don't want to be unfair to you, right? But I'm racking my I can't I can't honestly remember a single time where you said to me, Well, I don't understand this, but show me, son. Shit, teach me, help me, help me understand so that we can do something, do it, do it together, right? I can't remember a time. Well, I was busy. I was working. Your mother wasn't working. I was the one putting food on the table. It's like, yeah, I get that. But we still had a lot of time together. You had vacations. There were weekends. I was home for 17 years. And I can't remember one time over those 17 years when you sat down and tried to learn something I was interested in just because I was interested in it. Oh, Christ, where's all this coming from? Who put you up to the place? Get all this stuff, right? And then I would say, so, Dad, when I would bring home a report card, let's say that the report card wasn't that great. I got like a B minus or a C or something like that, right? And you said, what the hell's been going? Why are you getting a B? Why are you getting a C? If I had sat there and said, Dad, where the hell's this coming from? Where is this? Did the teacher put you up to this? Did mom put you up to this? You'd look at me and say, this got nothing to do. I, I demand to know what's been going on in this class, why you've gotten a C. I say, look, I can't remember everything that I did in this class. It's been a bloody year. It's like, no, son, that is not a good enough answer. Like, here's the thing. You wouldn't give me the, ex- the excuses you're pulling out now when I'm asking you about your parenting. You would never give me these excuses when I was eight bloody years old. You would never let me have these excuses when I was eight years old. You would demand to know, and you wouldn't let me gaslight you, and you wouldn't let me dodge, and you wouldn't let me fog and you wouldn't let me try and frame it. You just answer the damn question, son. So if I didn't get these excuses when I was eight, how the hell do you get these excuses when you're 55 years old, Dad? Come on. Man up. Grow up a little, I would say. Just answer the questions. I mean, they're not that complicated. I get that they might be a little emotionally difficult to answer, but you always told me to tough it up, right? What did you say to sis? You said, hey, if you can't handle it, then fuck off. Right? Okay, well, here's something which you appear to be unable to handle, but you're a tough guy, right? Because you get to mouth off at me, your kid. You get to mouth off at at your daughter because you're such a tough guy, right? You didn't mouth off to the tax authorities, as I already mentioned. So I guess if you're finding this difficult, you just got to show me that manliness and that courage that you've always encouraged in me and just answer these questions. I don't have any time for this. I have no patience for this. I've given you enough time. I've given you all the answers that I have, you got to take this up with some therapist or whatever the hell has got this bee in your bonnet, I don't care, click, right? 
because the more persistent you are, it yeah. escalates to when he disconnects, right? Yeah, and I think that's what happened with my sister when she was over there because she just kept escalating and, and wouldn't back down. And so then he just blew up. Well, not escalating. Yeah. Escalating is when you continue, like you insult and you scale something. Just being persistent, right? Or maybe she did escalate. Yeah, but, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, so if if he couldn't if he couldn't though. yeah if he couldn't manipulate you, then he would simply uh, disconnect, right? Which is also abusive. Parents have no right to disconnect from their children in these circumstances. No right, because I wasn't being abusive to him, right? In that double-sided role play where I'm playing table tennis with myself, right? I wasn't being abusive to the guy. I was simply being persistent and not letting him get away with gaslighting and manipulation, right? Yep, yep. I wasn't calling him an asshole. I wasn't calling him a terrible father. I wasn't saying you rejected me and you abandoned me and you're a jerk and you're an asshole and you made that one. I was simply being persistent in, no, no, give me an answer. Don't give me these bullshit excuses, which you wouldn't give to me when I was a kid. So, you know, live live by this, live by your own rules, right? That's all we do in these situations. Live by your own rules, right? Just live by your own rules. So then he would disconnect, right? And then it would be like, okay, so he can't handle an honest conversation. He can't handle me being inconvenient to him. He can't handle anything. Why? Because he's a toddler. He manipulates, he bullies, he threatens, and then he runs away. Because hanging up is just, just running away, right? Just, just runs away. Because mm. he's a toddler. Yeah, and if I think about it, the, the reason the reason that I probably haven't been honest with him so far as I've always kind of thought like, oh, it would be good to have um, him as sort of like a uh, backup, you know, if I ever needed support or anything like that or ever got into, uh, ever, you know, had any, any sort of trouble. But yeah, I, I, I do need to be, I do just need to be, to be honest with him because that sort of um, holding back of honesty is probably probably like reflecting in other parts of my life as well. So you will have far more professional success if you can master this than anything your father could ever yeah. provide to you because whatever your father will provide to you will come at such an emotional cost that it will never be worth it. Yeah, that that's true as well and I since this is the root of it as well um not holding back from being completely honest with him would help in the in all the other parts of life as well, because it's probably it's probably projected onto other parts of my life as well. If I think about it, yeah, no, it's uh, it's not worth it. It's absolutely but not worth it. Absolutely not of, worth it. In terms, yeah. sorry, yeah, in terms of like the confrontation. Sorry, in terms of avoiding like the confrontation with him, then that makes me uncomfortable. Can having confrontations with other people as well, right? Well, yeah, if you can handle that confrontation, right, then you gain you the superpower, right? Because nothing else, like everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? Uh, the cave you're most afraid of is the one that has the greatest treasure, right? So I've been put in ridiculously uncomfortable situations over the course of this show, still doing my thing, still enjoying yeah. what I'm doing, right? <laughs> so no, you, you gain the superpower, and I don't think there's any other way to gain it, right? Confronting the father, it's the Darth Vader thing, right? Confronting the father gives you the force, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And and obviously, yeah, like you're right. If um, if I am able to deal with this, then yeah, like the professional success I could have will yeah, I'll be able to to get way more resources than any. Yeah, I was uh, I was offered I I was offered some resources uh, from my father's estate, and I just said nope. No, they should go. They should go to his kid, not me, and not even. Oh yeah, and that's the other thing as well. Yeah, like he there's there's going to be like there's an inheritance from him as well, right? That's the other. That's the other thing as well. But again, like I I I I can't see it being being worth it. Oh gosh, no, no, you know. No, because it's, um, I mean, first of all, he's got probably 20, 30 years left on the planet, right? And I know, listen, I'm, I mean, I, I had illness like your dad, and it's deep, it's like eight mm. years in the past now, and my health is great, right? So he could just last 20 or 30 years more. No, no, no. And, and, and listen, you, you know, you know, would you would you want anyone in your life hanging around you just for money? No. Would you want your, let's say you get married, right? And your wife... Your wife takes out a life insurance policy. You take out a million-dollar life insurance policy or a half-million-dollar life insurance policy, and your wife openly says to you, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't like you at all, but uh, I'm just, I'm just sticking around to to get the money after you're dead." What would you say? Yeah. Well, that would, that would, um, that would be the relationship over, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, it's gross, right? You just just hang around people for money. Right. It's and look, I know that you yeah. know that it's just probably never been put quite as starkly, but don't be for sale. Right. If you're not for sale, you'll end up making a lot more than if you are for sale, because whenever you're for sale, you, you think you're getting something for nothing, but you're not. Or it's another way of saying, well, my father yeah. didn't give me attention, but maybe he can at least give me money. But if the only way you can get that money yeah, yeah. is to continue to not be paid attention for the next 20 years, it's not worth it. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and and it, that's the thing as well is that, I mean, it's it doesn't matter either way, but um, like when he passes away, then there'll still be his partner who will get the money first anyway, right? So it's like it'll, it'll probably come so late anyway that it's like, well, he'll know, he'll yeah. know while you're yeah. he'll know while you're sticking around, and he'll stick it to you. He won't leave you a penny. I mean, if you had if you had a wife who was only sticking around for the insurance mm-hmm. company. Sorry, for the insurance money, you'd make sure the insurance money never went to her, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, the real, I think the real thing you've got to talk to uh, before your dad is your sister. That's the real conversation, I think, right now. Find out what, what he said to her when you were teenagers, what her experience of his parenting was like, and get more details about what happened when she went to see him in New Zealand. So yeah, um, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we have talked about it to some degree, but I had, I didn't uh, inquire as much as I should have, I guess. Yeah. Well, again, you you should, sir. You know, you inquired quite a bit, but it's what I said to a listener the other day. You know, uh, I made a mistake. I didn't know better. I'm going to learn better, right? That's that's all we say in life, right? I made a mistake. I didn't know better. I'm going to learn better. Right. That way, you don't have to. Oh, I should have done more. I'm you know I'm deficient or whatever. Yeah. Hey, just you know, made a mistake. Didn't know better. Gonna learn better. All right. So yeah. that's the major yeah, that's pretty much. outlines of how how the conversation go for you. How how you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's that's that. Yeah, that that definitely 
that definitely makes um that definitely makes lots of sense like i can kind of see now yeah in my life how um i've sort of held back from being honest with him and so that means that i've also held back from being honest and just in general sort of as well like for the same for the same reasons and um yeah that it's basically like whenever i talk to him that's i don't like i don't really exist anyway because it's just sort of kind of like repeating repeating back to him like what he what he wants to hear and not actually being being genuine or honest at all and will you that, keep sorry go ahead that oh yeah and sorry and that sort of that that fear of confrontation then also manifests itself in all the other parts of my life as well in terms of you know work or just other other things in general as well because i haven't had that core confrontation yeah and that way you can be successful and you don't have to sacrifice anything for it right i mean if you look at people like what is that old meme well, it's not that old a meme now where people say so the two richest men in the world couldn't keep their wives happy. What chance do you have, right? Like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, right? Both got dumped by their wives, right? And it's like, okay, yeah. so they got their financial success and it cost them their relationships. Like, what if you could just have it all? Well, to have it all, though, you've got to work philosophically and you've got to be very clear in your moral delineations and very clear in your moral outrage, right? Because these guys, you know, they, they traded their families for money in, in many ways, right? And it's a bad deal, man. It's a really bad. I can't imagine how depressing it would be to get divorced in your 60s. Uh, I get for Bill Gates, I guess. I don't know. Jeff Bezos, he's in his 50s. He's got this weird RoboCop thing going on. I don't know how the hell, how the hell old he is. But yeah, it's, it's very sad stuff. It's very sad stuff. What if you could have it all, right? What if you could have success in your career and you could have love with your wife, love with your kids, and you didn't have to sacrifice anything. Well, in my case, my reputation, but that's all right. My reputation is still good among good people, and that's really what what counts. All right. So keep me posted, if you could, about how it's going. And I really appreciate it, um, the, the call today. Very, very good stuff. I also appreciate that you hung in there through the coaching, which I hope wasn't too naggy. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure we got to a very uh, a very productive place, if that makes sense. No, no, that was, yeah, that was very helpful. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for... Um Thanks a lot for all that, and I'll, I'll yeah, I'll let you know later on how it, how it all how it all goes. All right. Well, thanks everyone so much. Freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. Should you be so inclined, and I would certainly be happy if you inclined that way. Freedomain.locals.com. You can check that out for premium shows, a community that you can chit chat with as much as you feel uh, as as much as you see fit. It's also a great way to message me. Freedomain.locals. Dot com. Thanks to James, as always, the magnificent. Please check out fdrpodcast.com. It's amazing stuff. I've got a, a brilliant new coder there who's just making easily shareable, lightning-fast searches, and you can find all of the videos there as well. fdrpodcast.com, a new revamped search engine that is really of the gods. Uh, it's so psychic, it will actually tell you what the price of Bitcoin is in 12 seconds from now, which I think is all we need. Uh, all we need these days. All right. Thanks, everyone, so much. Have a great evening. Uh, lots of love from up here. Uh, I will. Uh, I will talk to you soon.